Judah and Matthew are dumpster people, and they occasionally use foul and inappropriate language. Listen at your own risk. Welcome to Brother Date Star Trek's edition. I'm Matthew. I'm Judah. Uh, this is episode 117 uh, of this dumb Star Trek project, and uh, YouTube has been keeping up because they recommended to me today that I watch a video of uh, Stealth Fighter Crash from like 1997. Ooh. And that, of course, is the F-117. That's an F-117. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. YouTube knows what's up. Uh, its wing came off. Not great. Not no, what you want. That see. shouldn't happen. Just flying and around. You don't want that to happen. Did like the mildest bank, and then the wing just went. Bop, nope. <laughs> just came right off, and the thing crashed. <laughs> so I hope they've been. I hope they built most of them better than that. <clears throat> I think a B two crashed this weekend, or crash landed. I actually think everyone was okay. Is that just uh, ceremonial to make way for the B twenty one? I don't know. I haven't really looked into it. They I just should saw do a that. Picture of it. They should do ceremonial just crash, crash landings for the aircraft that is going to be replaced by the new one. Like when well, the sure Super Hornets gonna... came out, they should have had a Tomcat do a crash landing on the deck. <laughs> <laughs> on the deck, so damage the deck too. Yeah, you know, some light damage. Crash landing, not just a full. They're not gonna eat shit. Sure. You know, just maybe lose the landing gear or something. Ceremonially. Just biff and then slide off the nose of the carrier, and then there's a little chyron that says non-fatal, and you're like, I don't know. <laughs> like, well, if that, that that came up real quick, I don't think anyone did any checking on that. All right, fine. You don't like my idea about ceremonial crash landings. Fine, then. We'll talk about I Star mean, Trek, I guess. I think it's very unlikely that we're ever going to sell any of our old B2s to anyone else, so you might as kind of might yeah, as well. just crash them a little bit. Lightly crashed. So when you park them in Arizona or whatever, they... They look like they've been used. Uh, it's also the end of an era. I think that not only is this going to be, I think, our last podcast of the year. Because I have a... Oh, um, could be, yeah. Because I have a house guest next week, and then you're in, you're on travel travel time the week after. Um, But the, I think this is the last podcast I'm going to do at Fort Nasty Studios. So, you know, it's had a lot of good times here. Sunrise, sunset. Yes. Sun... To the west. Right, yeah, the way we do this is um, just to keep it fresh. We yeah. talk about the uh, series that finished last in the previous episode. Something first. we thought would keep it fresh, but it turns out the order doesn't change that much. It is almost always Voyager, and it is Voyager again this week. <laughs> so the first episode we're going to talk about, uh, episode 117 of Star Trek Voyager, Warhead. Tom Paris forgot that it was his anniversary with Bellana, hmm. and he needs Neelix to replicate him up a romantic dinner 
and he runs into Harry Kim getting ready for his night shift on the bridge. Mm. Up there, some Anson Jenkins I've never seen is in the middle of trying to convince him to relax when a distress call comes in. And Kim makes a call to change course and investigate. Yeah, well, they don't find anybody. Like, uh, Voyager is the best at this. It's just adding random extras in all the time. Uh-huh. In the other shows, it might make a little sense. You get, you get people coming and going, but on Voyager, right. it doesn't make no sense at all. There's always just a new can, officer somewhere. If there's an episode where uh, it seems like O'Brien is maybe too into his new helper, it could be like, uh, she just came in on a transport from Bajor. Right, exactly. There's no excuse for a, a whole new ensign. With lines and everything. With lines and everything. Yeah, and didn't last week we saw like a whole lieutenant. We were like, who's this fucking lieutenant? Oh, yeah. Who's this fucking lieutenant? What's happening? Yeah, there can't be a lieutenant we don't know about. Well, there is, apparently. Harry Kim tells people in this episode that he's a senior officer on this ship. He has to tell them. But it's like, (laughs) there's a lot of people who aren't, huh? There's a lot of people who aren't, even though they outrank him. (laughs) Uh, They don't find nothing. So... He, uh, well, you know, on the scanners when they get there. So he goes and wakes Chicote up. And Chicote tells him he made the right call. And as a reward, he's going to get to lead the away team down there. Definitely seemed like Chicote was just tired and didn't want to do it. Yeah. Uh, Kim beams down with Schmullis and some uh, security guard that I'd never seen before and doesn't get any lines. So I was sure that guy was going to die, but he didn't. Then nothing sinister happened down there. They start uh, searching the usual caves and cliffs, and um, they find out that the distress call is coming from some kind of machine embedded in the rock, and it's got bioneural circuitry, oh. and it starts beeping and booping in a way that Schmollis can recognize as speech. As soon as I said bioneural circuitry, I was like, oh, God damn it, is this, a, is this a, something Voyager? Is this another Voyager whoopsie? Did they do something stupid they weren't supposed to do? Did they do something they stupid in the... the Kazon that somehow got you 40,000 <laughs> light years away ahead of them? Some stupid thing they did from the future or some crap. I started to get so yep. mad about what was happening. Yeah, bioneural was very bad to hear, for sure. Mm-hmm. Well, the doctor says... Um, we translates, and this thing is blind, it's alone, it's afraid, it kind of doesn't remember who it is. Uh, Schmollis wants to beam it aboard, and when Janway comes in on the day shift, she asks Harry Kim how he wants to proceed, and he says, yeah, let's beam it up, let's seal off an engineering bay with a level 10 force field, and while they get that set up, the machine sasses Schmollis about not being a real person. <laughs> um, up on the ship, though, Schmollis breaks the news to this thing, the warhead, yeah. that he's an AI in some kind of a machine. They actually think he's a probe at this point, but they're going to figure it out in a second. Yeah. Uh, because he claims that he came here with a friend, and they they start scanning for this a uh, friend of his in astrometrics. But all seven in Janeway find are some traces that suggest that this thing is a fucking WMD. Sorry. Yeah. My microphone just did a full, it just fell apart. It just did an <laughs> F-117. It just, a piece of it just came right off. It broke apart in midair. Sorry about that. 
Everyone, but everyone, uh, no one died, so we were okay. All right, good, good, good. Non-fatal. Mm-hmm. Uh, Janeway holds a conference, and she and Bolana and Chicote and Seven all think they should just blow this thing up, or like I don't know, beam it into space and fucking leave it in space, or maybe back down on the planet. Uh, of she, course, she even she even this. suggests as a backup plan the old Federation standby, which is just leave a buoy that says, "Hey, just there's throw a, <laughs> it's a big old yeah. warhead on this planet. If you go to this planet, watch out for the big warhead." And also, per General Order Thirty Nine, it's a death penalty offense <laughs> if yes. you come to this planet. I know we don't. It doesn't seem like we have the ability to enforce that here, but but just trust me on this. Um. Anyway, Schmollis advocates for this thing because he thinks he's doing exocomps. Mm. Um, God, I wish we so, were doing exocomps. Even as a retread, I would have been like, ah, that's, that's something at least. Yeah. <laughs> Dang. Um, his motion carries the day. Bolana suggests, well, what if we separate the intelligence from the weapon? Let's just put it in a, the hollow matrix like the doctor. Mm. And so... They carry the little guy down to sick bay and they start the procedure. But when he learns that the plan includes shutting him down temporarily, he panics and the weapons detonation cycle starts. Mm. They can't beam it out. He won't let him. So Balana has to short it out with an EM pulse. But whoops, while she was trying to do that, he went into Schmollis. He took over Schmollis. He's Schmollis now. It was great. It was great subtle acting by Picardo. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. By the way, yep, you, yep. you described and, what happened to him, and it sounded like me lately. It was like one thing went wrong, and I was 20 <laughs> seconds away from exploding, for sure. Yeah, he did a freak out. Mm-hmm. Um, and he continues to freak out. He's taken over all the ship's systems. Yep. He wants to complete his mission. He rearms his warhead as leverage to get Voyager to take him to the planet where he was originally supposed to go. Uh, blow up a military base or something. Right. Um, That's a big no from Janeway, obviously. But the threats escalate, so they give him what he wants for now, and while they're en route, they assemble the staff for another briefing. Yeah, I wish they'd had Jordy and Roe on this one, for sure. Yeah, they should have. There was only one target they had to get in the circle this time. That's what I'm saying. You get that fucker in the circle and you're done. And then they go, ah, don't work on holograms. Ah, shit. I knew there was going to be something wrong with this plan. I just couldn't figure out what. Well, Neelix shows up to the briefing with a piece of tech that he thinks is from the same race based on, I don't know, it's bioneural or something. (laughs) And then someone in the room goes, you know, we got a lot of that stuff, too. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, this particular can of um, joke peanut brittle that's really snakes. Sure. I'm not sure what it was. Uh, he was sold to him by some trader a week ago. So he uh, attempts to make contact with that guy. Meanwhile, in sick bay, Harry Kim is beating himself up about how badly his first command went. And he tries to go talk it out with the warhead. Um, he wants to convince it to break its programming, just like Schmollis. Hmm. And the warhead says, yeah, the dude sings opera now, but like he never stopped being a doctor, right? That's such a good argument. Like, in the in the essentials, I am a warhead, and I'm not going to stop being a warhead. And uh, Also, that's not how the uh, doctor broke his shit. programming. Someone didn't come in and convince him to do it. They just negged him really hard. 
And yeah, then he pretty had to, much. And then he had to like overcompensate and try to convince people he was really a real person. Um, the target, they scan the target. It turns out to be a manned military installation. And Harry Kim tries another approach here where he's like, hey, remember how much it sucked at the beginning of this episode? You were like hurt and confused and you really hated it. Uh, You're going to do that to the people on this planet Mm. if you slam in there and explode. Doesn't work either. The the traitor that Neelix uh, bought the can from calls he comes aboard he tells him his transporter has a damping field that can disable the warhead while it's being disarmed and he'll do it in exchange for the weapon himself no payment yeah but Janeway and Chakotay aren't excited about selling him a weapon of mass destruction they're like listen we did this thing with the vinculum once and uh (laughs) honestly Neither of us liked writing the report about it. Yeah, uh, we've done our best to sort of bury all of the bad things we've done in our logs, and we're just tired yeah. of having to do the work. Like, I just, I would, for once, I'd like to say I wasn't willing to sell him a weapon of mass destruction. Yeah, it'd be great if I could put that in the log and go on with my day. Both of those things would be good. So they're like, what if we demilitarize it or whatever? And he won't accept the thing unless it's intact. So that's no deal. Anyway, as soon as he gets back to his ship, it starts shooting. Yeah. Uh, it takes Voyager's weapons offline. It starts trying to beam the warhead out, but the warhead's smarter than this guy, I guess, because it sends an antimatter surge back up the transporter beam, and that ship gets blown up. Yeah, it's one of those tricks that I know I ain't gonna, no one's gonna remember. You can do that. Nope. Later. <laughs> nope. Next time someone tries to abduct someone from Starfleet, they're not gonna be like, "Fucking antimatter pulse, that fucker." Hey, transporter code one. Yeah. That's hey, right. do number one. <laughs> that's right. Um, next, Seven thinks that her nanoprobes can disable the weapon oh, if she shocked. can get into sickbay oh, for long enough. I am yeah. very surprised. I I almost pooped with surprise when she said that. <laughs> um, so Janeway's plan is to pretend to hit a mine as a distraction, I guess, and then to have Tuvok take the Jordian Row device into uh, the space above sickbay and destabilize the matrix or something yeah yeah uh-huh <clears throat> but suddenly we cut to a different perspective it's it's a bunch more of these warheads it turns out to be 32 of them hmm. they're just sitting in space they see voyager and suddenly they start chasing it yeah uh they set up the inertial dampers and the sensors for their malarkey meanwhile the warhead asks Harry Kim to help it restore its memory. And Harry Kim wants to do the Starfleet thing here. And also he's he's read a hostage manual that says you should try to establish a bond with your kidnapper. Oh, yeah. So He read he, that one a lot uh, more closely than he read that one about fraternization with alien species yeah. or whatever. Yeah, he didn't do so good with that one. No. He had to get well, electric nipples because of it. To be fair, love is a disease. So Yeah. Yep, 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 yep. Um, they start to get into this guy's memory. He gets Bolana to help. Uh, and it turns out that this warhead was ordered to crash on that planet because it was launched by mistake. And that the war that it thinks is going on has actually been over for like three years. Well, that sounds like a big whoopsie. Also, it was a big whoopsie because it, um, missed and hit that planet. <laughs> it hit that other planet. 
Did anyone ever explain what happened there? What's the deal with that? Oh, it was ordered to scuttle on that on that uninhabited planet. Oh, but now it's forgotten. And that's that's why its buddy blew up there, but okay. it just like got wedged into some rock. Yeah, it was one of those duds. It's like whenever they find a torpedo half lodged <laughs> in one of their Jeffrey's tubes or whatever, he's one of those. Exactly. Yeah. Um, basically, I, aliens in Star Trek are using the torpedoes the United States <laughs> used in World War Two. Yeah, they're the ones that fuck up everyone's game of War in the Pacific, Admiral's Edition. Yes. And you just spend the first three years going, son of a fucking bitch! It says I hit him four times with torpedoes. He didn't take any damage. I love games like that where they're like, historical accuracy. Those torpedoes don't do nothing, man. Yeah. It's a lot of fun to play games like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, While, even though they find all those orders in there, and he knows that everything is a whoopsie, he kind of can't believe it. He's like, he's so obsessed with completing his mission he doesn't even want to finish retrieving the memory files. He just wants to go blow up. Yep. Um, Voyager starts their heist, their fake out. Um, they pretend to hit mines. They slow the ship down. Seven has some fake plasma burns applied by Neelix, and they send her in to get fixed. Tuvok tries to blow the hollow matrix, and uh, Seven gets over there and sends in her probes, you know, launches the tubules or whatever. Oh, sure. <clears throat> But she catches a big electric shock in the process. The, the whole thing's a bust. Yeah. It's, uh, the thing's got defenses or whatever. And so Janeway's really only got one card left, and that is, well, guess you're going to blow up the ship then, because we're not helping you. Yeah, that's her favorite anyway. She was waiting to get a chance to say it. Yeah. But, um, at this moment, the fucking 32 other warheads that were launched by mistake arrive. Mm-hmm. They don't know about the orders for some reason, or they don't care about them. Uh, they want to tractor the warhead into its target. Yeah. And it seems like Jane was okay with this idea for some reason. <laughs> because at that moment, Harry Kim has to step up and say, wait, 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 no, the the mission was called off. It's not, it's a mistake. The whole thing was a whoopsie. Yeah. And since um, now if this guy blew up, he'd blow up all of his comrades, too. He has no choice but to look at the rest of his memory where he finds the confirmation code. Yeah, also we're like 38 minutes into this thing, so it's got to wrap up. Yeah, it's it's wrapping up. We're coming to the end of this. Yeah. Uh, he and Harry Kim shout at each other. They have a kind of nature versus nurture, duty, leadership, discretion argument. Harry Kim says, why do you have bioneural circuitry if you're not supposed to be able to think about uh, it? Make intelligent distinctions. Think, <laughs> think about, about it. it. Um, eventually, Harry convinces him. He transmits the termination orders to the other warheads, but they have apparently already passed their point of no return, That's so they can't be recalled. That's right, dude. So there's, there's one They're solution. making that O face, and there's nothing anyone can do about it now. <laughs> the only solution is he's going to beam out and let them carry him away, and then he's going to blow up right in the middle of them, which it does safely. Heroically. Uh, Shmolas comes back online, and Harry Kim has a little talk with him about how maybe he's a person, too. And then on the next <laughs> night shift on the bridge, Ensign Jenkins tells Harry Kim he's a good boy. That's very nice. I'm glad they had that uh, bookend scene together. Very important. So... <clears throat> What's it about? 
Some about suicide bombers? I think we've done this one before, actually. I don't remember <laughs> which one, but I think it was an Enterprise episode. That's in my in my head. That seems right. Um, uh, the downside to creating fanatics uh, is the inability to control them after after you need them. I mean, like that's a cool thing for policymakers to think about. And if I become one someday, I will remember this <laughs> great episode. <laughs> a policymaker, not a suicide bomber, right? Uh, if I become one of those two, I will. If I remember this episode, I'll just mess me up. I'll be like, God, why do I have all this bioneural circuitry if I'm not supposed to think about it? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, all the other suicide bombers are going to love the constant stream of Star Trek references. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, someone's going to set mine off early, I think. Be like, this guy won't stop fucking talking about. He's got some theories about someone named Will Riker, and he keeps talking about it. So let's just uh, pull a cool, let's pull a hot foot like you do in the dugout in a baseball game. And let's see how that goes. <laughs> Hey, why do we keep talking? This isn't a funny subject. Stop stop turning this podcast into something that is constantly trying to make light of suicide bombing. It's a four. I gave it a four. How do you feel about... We've always wondered about if we were to just make a feed that only had the Star Trek episodes. Mm. What will we call it? Mm. What do you think about regrettable conversations? <laughs> <laughs> oh, there have been a lot of them. There's so many hours of Star Trek talk that they're sort of necessarily has to be a lot of regrettable conversations in there for sure um <clears throat> now what about you what yeah, did you so, think yeah so on the one hand we have a warhead that it is unwilling to accept that it could have made a mistake mm-hmm. and on the other we have the crew of voyager falling all over themselves apologizing for good faith decisions they made that had bad outcomes sure so I thought the moral of this story was, once again, an ugly truth is better than a beautiful lie. Mm, we've done that one certainly 20 or 25 yeah, yeah, times. Yeah. The uh, standard score for that's a four, right? <laughs> I, think, a four? I think it has dropped to a four over time because we're sick of seeing okay. it. <laughs> uh, I, didn't, I didn't go into great detail about it, but everyone talks about how bad their first away mission went. And then mm-hmm. Harry Kim is beating himself up like way too much. Did anyone ask Tom Paris? Because, like, like, I think we're still doing a thing where no one knows what he did wrong. It'd be great if he told us finally. Nah, man, Tom Paris ain't in this episode. I know he was in the initial scene talking about how he fucked up his anniversary. We never see if that gets resolved. No, thank God. I don't want to see any more of that guy. Oh, until next week. (laughs) Until next week's TNG. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. (laughs) Then I got to see him again. what are you talking about? That's a different guy. Oh, right. Yeah, I know. His hairline's different, for sure. Uh, in terms of execution, like, none of the episodes this week, uh, spoiler alert, have a B-plot, really. Good. This one is probably the closest, because Kim and Balan are trying to work a separate angle. Yeah, but of, it's... Yeah, you're right. It's the same story. Yeah. They're just it's different the same perspectives. Story. They just... They can't... They don't have any contact with the bridge, so they gotta try their own thing down there. Yeah. And it's much more interesting, that B-plot, than what the goof troop is doing up there with the mines and the nanoprobes and the oh, yeah. missing fifth member of Jason Alexander's dipshit <laughs> think tank. Yep. Yeah. God, it have been great and if he almost... became a recurring character and he just popped back up again. He was like, mm, I think I can help. From the you said tank. you didn't need my help, but maybe now you do. That would be great. Oh, and I see you found yourself in trouble again. Mm, Well, here I am, Jason. Mm. Mm, What was my name again? Not Jason. Definitely. I wouldn't make that mistake. 
Um, they almost made an episode about artificial intelligence. No, that would have been. But fun. they handicapped it immediately by having the warhead take over Schmullis, so the two characters don't don't get to interact and talk to each other. The one guy who has an insight on <laughs> this idea of breaking your programming versus well, just being a slave to duty. Yeah, he's that's not around. Star Trek he's tradition. Gone. That's it's, it's a deep a tradition that runs uh, all the way back. So the original series, if there's someone who would be important in this plot, who would make sense to have in there saying lines, that person is conveniently not yep. available. <laughs> yep, 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 yep. Um, and then the other warheads are kind of a deus ex machina here. Mm. They just wrap the whole little story up. But but it don't make no sense that 34 warheads were launched by mistake. <laughs> These two dudes crashed on the planet when they got their order. The other 32 who apparently didn't get the order just flying in formation aimlessly waiting for Voyager to pass by. <laughs> yeah, they impulse. didn't keep going to the target apparently, even though they were past the point, even though they had it all set. Yeah, they uh Exactly. They, they they never got to their target for some reason. Yeah, that is weird. What were they doing? <clears throat> I think they're liars. I think they were doing something else and then they had to come up with a lie when this guy showed up. And they're like, up. oh, no, it's that one really gung-ho guy. It's this fucking nerd. Oh, no, man, you know we're on the way to the target. We just, uh, we, we were waiting for you, waiting for you to show up. You ever do this, Matt, where you have a coworker, or, or has this ever happened where there was a coworker of yours who was, like, way too gung-ho? Yeah. And everyone was like, what the fuck is this guy's deal? Oh, man, in sales, so you can't avoid it. Because everyone's trying to brainwash you, and then there's always someone who is just like, sure, I'm open. Uh, you can uh, brainwash me, you can gaslight me, whatever you want, I'm here for it. So sure, yeah. We had a guy come in like five years ago who had a great background, exactly the background we were looking for. Hmm. And the dude was so gung-ho. <laughs> and I was out at lunch with uh, with my boss, and he was like, you know, not only that, but he's really cheap. <laughs> and... Then he looked at me and he said, it could be corporate espionage. <laughs> I think you told me now, about this one time. <laughs> now, it wasn't. Pretty 99% sure it wasn't. But the guy was, he had a personality that made you wonder, what the fuck's going on here? What's, There's got to be something what's else happening. Because no one's he so excited this about so this much. job? Yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> like, I work at this job and I know it's not that good. So, what is the fucking deal with this guy? He doesn't ask for a high enough salary. Yeah. He's real gung ho. And then he did a slip up once and requested access to a document with his personal <laughs> Gmail instead of his company Gmail. Yeah, now I really and there was wonder. a whole big fucking thing where uh, yeah, you told all of a sudden I, I got a call from the CTO like, have you ever heard of Joe Chen? Which was the <laughs> a fake test e account that this guy was using. That's not his name either. Yeah. And I was like, what the fuck? Joe Chen? That's not somebody who works in there anyway. Yeah. Yeah, you told me about that at the time. I don't remember if that was a podcast conversation. But. Yeah, 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 yeah. So. Yeah. Well, no, I've never had that. I anyway, I'm saying that, that's what I've... this warhead probably was to all the other guys. Yeah, that's right. They're like, something's fucking wrong with that guy. We better tell him we're definitely all in on this thing. No, we can't stop. We gotta go. He's trying to trick us. He's trying by telling us not to do it. It's a trick. <laughs> He's trying to expose us. Because we were having a cool lunch on the boss. We went out and we called it team building. And he's going to fucking rat us out. Ran anyway, they almost did a sci-fi episode, but then didn't quite. And then it was almost entertaining, but then it ultimately wasn't. So I gave it three. <laughs> they liked that they almost did something, but didn't. And it was almost entertaining, but wasn't. That's actually not bad for Voyager. That's yeah, again, good. they've done worse. Yeah, that's not bad. Yeah, I was like, I was mad when 
the guy took over Shmolos. I was legitimately sure. mad about that. What are we doing? Don't make me watch him be a different character. Yeah, and he did the thing that he always does when all the 15 times he's gone crazy or whatever, or he makes his mean voice, and you're just like, it's the same as every yep. time he makes his mean voice. Like, I yep. Remember the one where he was That's killing like... people? Remember when he became a serial killer? Yeah, 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 yeah. Dude, Dark? Was that called Dark? It fucking could be. No, wasn't that the one where they were in the dark? Where Jamie wouldn't come out of her quarters? Anyway. It was the one where it turned out he was the serial killer, which was before the space elevator one, I think. But it was... They had a real bad run. Oh, really? Yeah, it's a 117 episode run of bad episodes. (laughs) Just fake. It really has gotten... It Only really has gotten a lot it. more watchable since Seven of Nine came aboard. Episode four was really good, but other than that, just a real, the <laughs> real fucking miss of a show. Anyway, I was, I was genuinely mad when that happened. It's I was not like, great. It's fuck, great. It's fucking fistful of datas here. Yeah. Um, but at the, it wasn't as bad as that to actually watch. No, like that's still ahead of us, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, I wasn't far off. I gave it a four in execution, kind of grading on the Voyager curve um uh, anyway this fanatic was literally programmed like a computer and got bad amnesia too so there were some extenuating circumstances for my my take about fanatics Uh, it's not your Mm -hmm. standard mujahideen is what i'm saying there was an episode all about the programming of fanatics you remember when um chakotay (laughs) helped those guys fight the crazy beasts that must maybe that was the one maybe it wasn't enterprise no, because that wasn't the plot. Of, that wasn't the plot. Was that you couldn't control them after the plot was um, something about propaganda or something. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. As always, the the warhead refuses to budge almost the entire episode, and then quickly turns and becomes Harry's good buddy and heroically sacrifices himself within three minutes because it's not just a one act play; it's a one paragraph play. They've done this recently. Yeah. They did this for eleven fifty nine as well, where the old man who creeps me out because he was a bad guy on Lost was like, "I'll never sell my store," and then he's like, mm, "I could open my store in Canton or whatever they were talking about." And you're like, "What the fuck happened? Why did he switch?" Um, he's been. Uh, He's been like that ever since we switched, is what he said. That's uh, Troy and Abed being cops. Uh, enough with the nanoprobes. <laughs> like, I don't... I know she failed this time, and that's very good, but, like, just stop. Every time anything happens on the ship, she's like, I got some nanoprobes. They're going to fix it up good. Don't you worry about it. That, I'll just go drip, drip, drop. Janeway was up her ass about making more nanoprobes <laughs> yes. faster. Can we somehow get more goddamn nanoprobes? <laughs> she was crazy about those fucking nanoprobes, dude. You don't understand. I, I need to make bombs. I need I need more. Damn it. Give me more nanoprobes. And I was like, what? who wrote this? Like I said, on the Voyager curve, it was fine, even though I didn't have one good thing to say about it there. Um, so four. World building. Uh, AI warheads that can like fucking strong arm their way to a successful strike, like commandeer a ship. The droid. Don't forget, they're also incredibly powerful warheads that can blow up. I don't know a huge region of space or half a planet. Sure. Yep. The droid made the weapon. That's what the. That's what someone thinks. Uh, this peddler with a cool ship that can fuck Voyager up proper in one shot. He but he died fast. He died really quick. 
just to go back to that point, it is what Voyager thinks, and also Voyager never makes contact with the race that sent it or the race that's being targeted. <laughs> nah, that's not what they do. That legwork is not what Voyager is known for. Uh, and those. If one of those thirty-two weapons survived and went to hit somewhere, and but had a log, they'd be like, "Well, what was this pit stop in the middle with this other ship?" <laughs> they would fuck up someone else's Holocaust museum. That's right. Uh, those nanoprobes, again. Selena Prime. That's a, well, the, the target. I don't remember if that was the target. Uh, I got another idea. Anti-Borg shock armor. It's like when yeah, you try to get it, tube, when you, they tubule you, they get all shocked and fall down. It, it seemed to very nearly kill Seven of Nine, so. I think it's a good idea. I give it a one. <laughs> it's just a lot of Alien of the Week nonsense, I think. You know, in the first few episodes, we were like, it was cool. They taught us about a new alien. And then we learned none of that. We remembered, I guess. None of that stuff ever comes back. So it's like, yeah, it's out there. That's world building, I guess. But, like, we ain't never going to see it again. So I gave it a one. I gave it a little. I gave it a one higher score. And it's entirely for the business about Harry Kim getting these night shifts in <clears throat> oh, yeah. to build up command experience. Like Data or someone. Some, yeah, some protocols about who he's supposed to notify and when. Also, Voyager is uh, clearly still out here trading for resources. Like, Neelix has still got to be the ship's trader or whatever. Yeah, but it did kind of seem but like But it's he, not much. Like, he, like, like, no one was really aware he was up to that. He's like, hey, no. last week, I, me, independently, Neelix, made some trades with a guy. Don't worry about it. We fleeced him. It was great. I got this can. I got this, this can. When you turn it over, it moves like a cow. What did I trade? How did they know. do it? I traded deuterium. I got a lot of that, right? Oh, we don't? I've, so oh. I figured that's got to be bioneural, by the way. When you turn it over, it makes the cow sound. <laughs> anyway, yeah, probably a, these same people. Might be a whole cow in there. I don't know. This technology's crazy. But, like, um, so anyway, that was a secret trade I did. Now I'm informing all of you senior staff about it now. Yeah, you're right. Uh, so I gave it as much as a two, but it's mostly for the shipboard business. You know what? You talked me up a point. Oh, shit. Voyager, deser <laughs> it deserves that point. It deserves a two. There you go. Um, character work? Uh, Tom Paris forgot his anniversary and was happy to make it Neelix's problem. Yep. Yep. <clears throat> I mean, honestly, uh, he probably considers, he probably thinks he made a lot of effort for this anniversary. And he's probably <laughs> going to be, he's probably going to yell at Balana later about how hard he worked on it. But it was a two-minute conversation with Neelix. Yep. After he orders up the dumb shit and he tells Neelix to send half of it to Balana's quarters to her replicator right away. But don't worry, he'll take the wine and the flowers down there himself so he looks like a good boyfriend. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chakotay seems to like Harry Kim this week. <laughs> I can't think of any reason he shouldn't. Sure. But I wouldn't have sworn, based on their previous interactions in the 116 previous episodes, that Chakotay knew his first name. Yeah. I mean, honestly, if you really, really think about it, you'd think Harry Kim wouldn't like Chakotay, because Harry Kim's so Starfleet and Chakotay's on Maquis. But then, Chakotay's also the most Starfleet of anyone. In some ways. So maybe that's yeah. turned back around. Maybe he's like, I love him. He's my father. I don't know. Uh, Janeway is, of course, willing to sacrifice the ship 
But also, it did seem like when the other warhead showed up and offered to tractor the main guy into his target, she was going to let them until Harry said, wait, though, no. Because <laughs> um, they probably could have just let him go there and blow it up if that didn't bother her. Yeah. So what was her objection? That she didn't want to watch it happen? Yeah, she's okay with knowing it. Oh, okay. oh Makes... she's okay with knowing it. Yeah, oh, she's God, okay God, with God. knowing it. She doesn't mind knowing it. Got blown up. She just doesn't want to watch it happen. Um, I mean, everyone else is on Little League duty, except, uh, I guess, Schmollis and Bellana get a couple of little tiny scenes. So, yeah. uh, I gave it a four for characterization. Tom Paris is still a piece of shit. Everyone <laughs> else was in it. Yep. Uh, yeah. Uh, TP found a way to run up a debt on a Starfleet ship with Neelix. <laughs> because this guy is absolute trash. <laughs> Don't even know how you do that. But if you asked me who was the one person in Starfleet to run up a debt on a Starfleet ship, I would have said fucking Tom Paris, for sure. Someone on the ship on Voyager owes Neelix money. <laughs> who is it? <laughs> I think you'll be pleasantly surprised by the answer. No, it's not Vorik. <laughs> uh, Harry Kim is allowed to be in charge when everybody else is just mad sleepy. But everyone says he sucks, though. Uh, even the ensigns. They're all like, this guy sucks. Uh, he tries to talk the warhead out of his uh, mission to blow up that planet. Then it becomes his new best friend, and he loses him and will never love again. I assume. He went on the bridge and said so, I assume. He walked out there and he said, I can't get him back. And they said, who? And he said, the warhead. And Yeah, no, I, I know, he blew up. He's gone. We never gave him a name. And he's like, yeah, but I went to the computer. I said, give me warhead. And it said I wasn't authorized, so... He oh. said, you can call me by the doctor's name. What's his name? And then we <laughs> said, all said, oh. uh, I don't know. Did he decide? Did he decide on one? I don't. I don't know. No, you're closer to him, Bolana. You guys have that love-hate thing. So I'm going to looking at you. Uh, Shmalis has a translation matrix. He feels especially strongly about helping this injured warhead. Then he has disappeared for the episode. Uh, Neelix says he can do uh, scary monster makeup because of his wild fucking background. <laughs> yeah. That's just something this he's... another uh, real space Jamie Heineman. <laughs> it's just something he's got up his sleeve this week. Jamie was very trusting of her officers this week because this episode was not about her. So it was just a lot of, what do you think, Harry? All right, we'll do it your way. Uh, nothing was terribly offensive about them this week. I gave it a five. Do you have any quick hitters? You didn't have to describe this one. Yeah, again, random instance. We've never fucking seen feel at ease telling Harry to stop being a fucking dweeb. <laughs> she, wow, who is this She's lady? like, hey man, it's the night shift. This is a blow-off class. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> exactly. This is seizing the day 101 or whatever. Um, How does she know this dingus isn't going to put that in her personnel file? <laughs> I can only imagine everybody on that ship does not care anymore. Nobody gives a fuck. Also, this lady had lines and rapport, so I assume she was going to beef it. Just for the same reason you thought the other guy was going <laughs> to, the opposite reason of the what you thought the other guy was going to beef it for, because he yeah. didn't have a name or lines. But this lady, yeah. I was like, why is she getting so many lines? Is she going to get her head blown up and Harry Kim's going to feel bad about it later? It kind of should been that 
the warhead was trying to demonstrate that it had total control of and Voyager and it killed Zapter. her in some way. Right, yeah. exactly. I thought she was definitely going to get an exploded panel all over or maybe get her whole face stolen or something. But no, she's just there at the end. And I'd be <clears> like, <throat> I watched the logs, Harry. I saw you talking to this woman and now I'm going to kill her. <laughs> That's right. This is my leverage against you. Uh, Marjan was worried, and rightfully so, when she when she said it, I went, oh, that is worrying. Um, that the warhead was going to turn out to be a woman and Shmullis was going to date her. Yeah. Because in the beginning, he's like talking, that. talking to it all about uh, how it's going to get a body or whatever, and Harry Kim's working on the physical details or whatever, and I was like, as soon as she said that, I went, oh, that could totally fucking happen. Is he going to go in there, it's going to be a hot lady, and he's going to be all tongue-tied, and he's going to fucking try to date her? Uh, Katie had the same thought, and I did say, well, he is the guy who designed Seven of Nine's entire outfit, so. <laughs> it could be. And then absolutely perved all over her. Very hard. Uh, Chakotay has no idea how to modulate the shield frequencies, and he was just hitting random L cars there. There's no <laughs> doubt in my mind about this. They zoom in on his uh, hand hitting the L cars, and I'm like, that guy's just fucking hitting whatever right ten, now. Ten points if he'd gone, uh, first you hit 47, and then 131, <laughs> and then right? the big, the oh. big rounded off triangle at one corner. Uh, and the reason I'm asking out loud is because, so didn't someone else do this? Why didn't you ask Tuvok to do this? Why am I, uh... 58 uh it made a bad sound what's that sound mean did i what do i have to start over i have to fucking start over okay f- uh, 49 i said it's was blue, first blue yellow right <laughs> just, he was fucking making it up and then he goes no effect cool dude <laughs> wait i'll just lie to her like that oh that's it for me um Tom Paris accuses Harry Kim of being an apple polisher by taking these bridge shifts, <laughs> and he doesn't say to him, hey man, I need to do something. I'm a fucking five-year ensign. I gotta yeah. take some bridge shifts or do a book report for extra credit or just anything. Like, 400 people have died on this ship, and I still have not gotten a promotion. It's actually yeah. pretty clear that nobody nobody thinks I'm doing a good job. I'm, I'm Now that I think about it, I'm actually mad that I don't outrank you yet. Because you've been demoted. You <laughs> you've should be the lowest prison. ranking ensign on this ship. You were a guy we busted out of prison, and then you found a way to go back to prison here. Yeah. So, not only that, you've been in prison on Alien Worlds, too. You're in prison, like, all the time, and I still cannot order you around. I've never been to prison. Well, that's not true. Remember the one where... Hold on. Do you remember... Now I really want to know. Do you remember the one where the guy thought he was Janeway's dad? And they were in that alien prison. And they had to bust out. And he was just a crazy guy. But he was like, my daughter who died. But in his head, it was Janeway. And she had to, like, help have this sad old man help her escape. And anyway, Harry Kim was in that prison, too. And so was I Tom think Paris. so. Was the prison so was space, Tom Paris. And there was like, okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. When they went to the doors to get escape, it was just space or whatever. It was just space, yeah. <clears throat> so anyway, Harry uh, Kim's been so to yeah, at least one prison. Yeah, but Tom Paris was there, too. I'm just saying. So he didn't, yeah, like, yeah, catch yeah. up to Tom Paris on prison counts. Um, How can the protocol for answering a distress call, diverting the ship and going into a potentially dangerous situation, not include calling the captain. (laughs) 
how can that be something Harry Kim has the authority to do? I think that's, that sounds when he like w- something wakes, they... When he wakes Chakotay up an hour later, Chakotay's <laughs> like, you made the right call. <laughs> it sounds like something they implemented what? during the time when she isolated herself in her quarters for two months or something. Oh, uh, they're still running void protocol. Yeah, they were like, we got a new protocol, and it's don't bother the captain because she's sad. She so... will come to the bridge when she feels like it. And don't you question me before. about it. <laughs> then he goes to her quarters and questions her about it. <clears throat> Uh, when the traitor showed up, Katie looked up from her computer and said, uh, based on his voice, I want to punch him in the face. That's why they hired him. That means he did a good job. Yep. They said, be a slimy peddler. I mean, he's no Jeffrey Combs or whatever, but he's, he did his best. Um, I thought it was pretty depressing that Voyager took two cuts at taking down an AI weapon. You remember Juggernaut? I do, unfortunately, remember Juggernaut. The one who was like, I'm afraid I can't do that, Balana. And he was like, oh, really? Is this what we're doing? Okay. Um, and then also, of course, in the episode one, one sacrificed himself to stop all the other Borg that I am up. the Nazi from two weeks ago. I must sacrifice <laughs> myself to save you, mother. So much of my chest is on display. Look at my Aryan features. I'm a Nazi Borg. Uh, so they took another cut at that idea, too. Yeah. Uh, give best actor this week to Harry Kim. He was the only one who had lines, but at least he was excited to have them. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. And I gave the worst actor to the alien trader. Who, uh, <laughs> okay, I guess I didn't do a good job. Technically, the same actor did portray one of the members of the think tank, but he did not have lines in that episode. Oh, ouch. Man, well, Jason uh, this guy Alexander actually, really, he ate that week. Jason Alexander got his fill, so. Yeah, yeah that's true. <laughs> Wasn't really room for anyone else. Uh, this actor, whose name I do not remember and didn't write down, played five minor roles in this season of Voyager. Ah, he's just coming back. Coming back yeah. again. Dude, my memory is so much better today. I'm remembering all these old episodes and everything. I think <laughs> beer helps my memory. Oh, no. Are you squeeze friend again? I think I'm going to have to be squeeze friend all the time. And that means I'll probably have to do it in secret. Because I don't think anyone's going to like seeing me constantly <laughs> drinking. But my Just memory is fucking beer working. Beer and bullshitting about Star Trek? Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. not attractive. Well, maybe. I guess I'll find out whether it's the only thing that my, my memory is enhanced. Just only Star Trek stuff. Because, yeah, that wouldn't be that helpful. Today I had to drive. Uh, I was at the new house. Uh, yes. Because we had a guy come by to do some lawn stuff. And um, and I, I finished with that and I drove home. And then like an, like two hours later, I was like, did I close the garage door? Because my memory's so bad that I didn't remember doing it. And so I thought there was definitely a chance I didn't do it. Because, you know, it's got the one where you push the button and then. It opens, but it doesn't automatically close. Like my current gate here at, at Fort Nasty. Right. So I was like, fucking balls. My bad memory means I have to drive all the way back there just to check the garage door and then come Which back. Which I'm sure was closed. And like, I should have been driving drunk because then I would have remembered and I could have just turned around and gone home. <laughs> there you go. Uh, hold on while I write down I should have been driving drunk. <laughs> <laughs> so always a good name for an episode. If only you did the episode names. Uh, have you picked a, sweet, a nickname a sweet note. Um, for the new house? No, I mean, I mean, something White House themed seems appropriate, but I can't think of what because it's uh, it's on Pennsylvania. Oh shite! Um, Don't give out that information. Nah, it's fine. And only Ryan. We, we already talked to this. about how your house was long. They're going to find a long house. 
on <laughs> Pennsylvania, and then they're going to have to decide which of the two identical long houses next to each other it is. Uh, Ryan, I was the only one who listens to this, and he's already he Google mapped it. And uh, by the way, he Google mapped the neighborhood that I'm in, and the picture that came up was it looked like a toxic waste spill or something, or like a construction <laughs> whoopsie. Something was gone horribly wrong, and he just sent it back and said, "Oh no." And I was like, yeah, no, I mean, that's not my house, but I clearly am going to live in close proximity to whatever disaster has that's, happened in that, that particular super fun site. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know. The people in Cambodia probably don't care, is all I'm saying. So I mean, probably not. Anyway, if you come up with any good White House related things, let me know. I'm, I'm Before we move on to the epi- next episode, that, that actually does remind me, though, to... Uh to check and see if we ever did get a listener in korea because we named that episode korea, 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 korea. <laughs> no the answer is no no it didn't work huh? no one's just searching no. Up. no one's like i love my homeland korea and i'm gonna see if anyone's talking about it search korea or Korea's probably kind of uh, if they did we came up 900th or whatever kind of a weird island a lot of the countries around there have at least one download yeah China has four. Japan has two. I talk about Korea Russia. way more than I talk about those places. 25 in Russia. I don't talk about Russia that much. I talk about Korea all the time. What's going on? 25 in Thailand. Yeah, again, I tagged at least one episode BTS just as a, just to, I was lying, just to try to get people in. Two, two in Indonesia and 54 in Singapore. Okay, see, now we have talked about Billy Bong. from the Philippines, and we talk about, we've talked about Million Million Not Game by Bob Bunch. (laughs) Now, that was filmed in San Jose and not the Philippines. I I assume they get it. I assume they get it live there. 100%. They know about June, I'm sure. (laughs) Not June from What's Up Thailand. I was going to say, that's the only June I remember. There are no other Junes. I don't know what you're talking (sighs) about. Should we do DS9? I mean, I don't. Yeah, I guess. I'm going to be the one talking about it. You can relax. That's and... true. I get to take a break here. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Second place last week was Deep Space Nine. This week we watched Soldiers of the Empire. <laughs> General Martok got wounded in the hollow suite. Bashir is mad at him. Uh, they're old buddies, remember, from the prison. <laughs> um, Martok says he needed more training after so long as a prisoner, hence the dangerous holodeck shit. But then Martok gets a priority message and leaves. Meanwhile, Cadet Nog is helping Worf improve the Defiance weapon efficiency. I don't know. Nebulous Star Trek nonsense. Worf tells... It's definitely phaser-related. Yeah. <clears throat> Worf tells Nog to go re-upload the operating system like they're working on Windows 98 or something. One file at a time, yeah. which I don't Take think is good advice. A million years. Um, you know, there's several million files, right? Yeah, we're going to be here fucking long after this place is condemned. I'm going to be here uploading these files. <clears throat> Martok comes by to see Worf. And says, it's cool, I covered for you. Bashir does not know that you stabbed me so good. Uh, Martok has a new mission. A battlecruiser has gone missing near the Cardassian border, and Martok's supposed to take a bird of prey, the Rataran, out to find the missing ship. And Martok asks Worf to come along as his first officer. And Chadich, I assume, in case he needs it. Credits. Cisco doesn't care about this or anything else. So he's cool with Worf going along. 
Still, Worf hey, gets... He's been out of things for a couple of weeks, huh? Last <laughs> week it was like, are you, uh, you crying? Are you crying there, Rom? <laughs> All right, keep That's it up. Right. The week before that it was, I'm directing this week, and I'm here in this bar scene to act real tough, because I just added it, because I'm behind the camera. And I said, what if Cisco had a tough guy scene where he tells Dakot to drink poison? And everyone went, oh, you're the boss, I guess. I don't know. <clears throat> Still, Worf tells Cisco that it's only thanks to Martok, this is new information, that he got out of that prison camp alive. Warriors' hearts uh, flaming and pulsing, humping all night. A human wouldn't understand. O'Brien and Bashir take on Worf's jobs in his absence and uh, talk all about how Klingons are basically old-school pirates. And Dax gets to lay out all the rules of the Klingon ship so that we'll understand what's happening later in the episode. She's very kind like that. Anyway, that was uh, some Little League business. I mean, they come back at the end to do the same thing, but that's this is not yeah, a Yeah, like plot. I said, there's no B-plot. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Odo, also doing Little League, warns everybody about this rough-ass Rataran crew, and then Dax decides to come along to watch Worf's back. She makes friends. Have we, have we at that point seen any members of the rough, rough and tumble Rotaran crew? <clears throat> Literally, two Klingons walk in. The did they look tough? The goth, the goth ass guy who's just moping the whole time, and then the crazy old scraggly bearded guy who's got the Frangie name or whatever. Oh, they found a guy with the saddest <laughs> eyes. <laughs> they did indeed. Those Dude, two walk seen in. Some shit. Those two walk in, and even though the rest of the episode they're basically just a couple of clowns. Odo's like, oh, look at that Cardassian neck bones. Watch out. Um. Anyway, uh, Dax makes friends with a Klingon lady before Worf comes in and pulls his usual shit. His Klingon Wikipedia bullshit. And the Klingons do a bad job of humoring him. Then Martok comes in and just immediately starts being a fucking coward. Just like, oh no, there might be Jem'Hadar around. Everybody watch your big Klingon butts or they'll bite them or whatever. <laughs> I've heard they like to bite them. They'll bite your butt. I was in prison with them. <laughs> the old helmsman calls him on his shit, but Worf makes them all sing a cool warrior song and that annoyance distracts everybody for now. I think Worf's Nobody the guy you're talking it. about. I think Worf is the guy who's too gung-ho this week. Oh yeah. He starts singing that song and everyone's like, what the fuck's up with this guy? Except they know. He's some kind of human lover. <clears throat> Dax bullies a pathetic Klingon and then brags about a bunch of barrels of wine she brought aboard. And Worf and Martok have a chat about this terrible crew and how the crew is really the problem. Not me, Martok, or you, Worf. We're great. It's this bad crew. Not scared as shit Martok or pretending to know about Klingon stuff Worf, anyway. Dax pals around with his crew long enough to realize there's some fucking goth-ass emo turdlets, and they are up the creek. <laughs> they find a Jem'Hadar attack ship. Like, they're all cloaked. Everyone wants to blow it up since they're cloaked, and they can just decloak and blow them up. But Martok again wavers, and um, they go back on their search for that missing ship, and everyone hates this very much. And for, like, the fifth time already of about 40 times, Dax warns Worf that shit is getting very bad. Worf confronts Martok, but ultimately accedes to his uh, cowardly commands. Dax tries to quiet down this uh, Lestic guy, the old scraggly guy, 
because they keep screaming about how the Jem'Hadar are the future and that this lady doesn't want you to know the truth. He says it twice. <laughs> Don't know why they found the need to include both of them. Eventually, uh, I do, could not catch his name at this point. I think it's Cornan Burnson. Snaps, and there's a big fight, and Dax has to shoot somebody, and then Dax tells Worf he's going to have to do something if Martok doesn't step up soon. I think she's already told him like four other times in between those two times I just talked about. They finally get a distress signal from the Bamoth, that's the missing ship, and they head in that direction. But of course, Martok is dreaming up reasons it's a big bad Jem'Hadar trap. Worf gets a look on his face like, ah, dang man, this guy is cracked, and he's never going to be right again. I'm going to have to gouge out his other eye and probably his butthole too. And he convinces Martok. Which Which butthole? (laughs) Yeah, his other butthole. He convinces Martok to at least approach and see what's up, though. They find the Bamatha Drift in Cardi territory, and because it's across the border, Martok refuses to cross. Says it's too bad for all those guys who are definitely going to die, but that's life. Uh, Martok explodes when Worf questions him and retreats to his office. And Worf tells Dax it's time for Martok to fucking find out. But, um... And there's another scene. He still won't do it. The crew comes in and they tell Worf, Martok's got to die. And just when it seems like there's going to be a big mutiny, Worf suddenly stands up and goes, we're going after the Bamoth. I'm going to challenge Martok. But it's a big, tricky gambit where Worf loses to Martok on purpose to get his blood up and make him strong again. Yeah. Mar- Martok supposedly whiffs, whips Worf's ass and then takes command when a Jem'Hadar warship shows up. He becomes cool and tough, and I think probably tells some of these ladies on the bridge that he likes them. Yeah. And Worf and Dax head to the medical bay as Martok rallies the loser crew for the big fight that they're not going to get to help with in any way because of the good plan Worf had. And they sing a battle song with the same cadence as... They've never seen as much food as this. Underground, they only have half as much food as this. We don't get to see the cool battle. I guess they ran out of special effects budget or something. Uh, Martok is smooth as hell when the Rattaran gets back to DS9 and he tells Little League Kira to help him get this victorious crew fucked up fast. And Martok knows Worf gave him a hand back there and he's very thankful, so thankful in fact, that he offers Worf a spot in his house. I guess he adopts him? Yeah. For some reason, Worf accepts, even though he just saw what a trifling little ass rag this guy has been the whole time. Anyway, guy stuff. That's the episode. What? I'm just adding quick hitter here, but keep keep going. What 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 was this episode all about? Um, I guess. It doesn't matter if you have confidence in someone if they don't have confidence in themselves. All right. I don't know, Matt. It's another in a long series of explorations of trauma in Deep Space Nine and Star <laughs> Trek in general. Oh, man, we've got two more seasons of this war. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <sighs> Uh, Martok is clearly too unsure of himself. He's not confident when he fights. He's not sure he's ready for this mission. He's not going to take any risks. 
And Worf has to give him his warrior's heart just to circle back <laughs> around to that first conversation. The first conversation they clearly threw into the script to explain something later because Cisco does not care about this at all. And Worf yep. still has to be like, hmm, there's something a human would not understand. We had to cuddle together for warmth, uh, like warriors and uh, handies, warrior handies to, for strength on the battlefield. And then a drone dropped a grenade on us. It was very embarrassing. <laughs> um, Is that ripped from the headlines? I mean, that video came out like three months ago, but yes. Uh, plus the same for the crew of this cursed little ship. Okay, fine. But it's not really making a statement. And in real life, you can't just get in a knife fight with your buddy who's having a hard time. Yeah, that's a tough and one. That, and that turns it all around. It's like, <laughs> this guy's so, my best friend. Three years ago, he challenged me to a duel to the death and it turned my whole <laughs> life around. Turned my whole shit around. <laughs> so just a three for me. I mean, <laughs> listen, if you think you see a clear parallel to challenging someone to a knife fight, throwing <laughs> the fight and hoping they don't murder you. What about like just a spirited game of risk that you throw or something? Oh, and yeah, they just, just get all their it. confidence back. Lose a couple of hands of poker to him, huh? Yeah, I shouldn't have said risk. That's all dice throw. Nah, you could just position your armies dumb, I guess. You could yeah, you could, you, you could throw it. Ah, uh, boy. Um, Fuck up your card turn-ins so you don't stack on stack on stack. Oh, that's right. Man, oh, I guess I just forgot I had three of the soldier guys. Oh, well. I had... I uh, gotta get back on the horse, man. Scary, I know, but how else will you get over your very wet diaper? it's fine right he's got to get back out there and like face his face the dudes who made him so scared all the time those Jemadars so scary I gave it a five you know the only problem with that take is that that's the position Martok starts from Mm -hmm. when he's telling Bashir if anything he needs to be training harder yeah I don't know well, I mean, you remember the time that Picard said in the teaser that's going to take a lot of patience and and uh, all that shit. And then he ran into Dathan and he was just like, I don't know what the fuck this guy's talking about. I fucking hate this. Stay away from me. I'm having my own campfire. <laughs> remember that? Sometimes you say something at the beginning of the episode and uh, you, well, you ain't listening. To the, you're, you need to follow your own advice. That's what's happening. Yeah. It seemed like you knew how you should be handling this. <laughs> but then you earlier. didn't do any of it. <laughs> and then you didn't do any of that. You thought he was going to try to attack you, but you didn't really think it because you just camped 15 feet away. So you I talk don't know all what's the time happening. about we need better documentation. We need better documentation. <laughs> but no, always the you last don't, priority. You never write shit. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah. If you had a million free hours, I bet you would do it. Uh, yeah. Five for me. Um, execution. This episode, I thought, was very clear in its take. It followed the whole thing through without a lot of confusing nonsense. It plainly tells the story of Coward Martok getting his groove back. There are lots of enjoyable parts of it, and although we once again have to see a Starfleet officer show how fucking great they are at Klingon stuff, Dax's parts were some of the best stuff in there. Mm -hmm. There was no dumb B-plot, aside from some Little League stuff about Worf's duties being handed out to the other crew. 
So I thought this but was even actually... that was the introduction to the scene where we see the bad guys on the crew and Dax gets a bad feeling about them. Yes, and then they do a wraparound where like Bashir walks onto the bridge and he's so frazzled from the duties he has to do. Yeah. Uh, but I thought it was a fine episode. The only negative really is that we all have to remember what an insane, sniveling coward Bartok was in this episode. <laughs> I'll never forget how uncool he was today. They can't make me. No matter how cool he is for the next two seasons, I'm going to remember this shit. He was like ranting like a lunatic in his quarters, and then Worf goes, yeah, but we're just going to go look at the ship, though, right? And he's like, oh, oh, yeah, no, that's, yeah, of course, I was going to say that part. I gave it a seven. Uh, oh, am I going to be a couple points behind you again here, I guess? Um, there's an interesting parallel here that doesn't get remarked on at all, mm. in that Dax is clearly on board because she knows Worf isn't ready to be the first officer of the ship. <laughs> Fucking facts. <laughs> By the way, she seems fine with it until Odo's like, those guys are pretty hardcore. And then she goes, oh, yeah, Worf definitely doesn't know what he's oh, doing. Yeah. It's going to be a mutiny party for sure. Yeah, this could be bad. Um, The main, my main complaint about this story, though, isn't that they forgot to mention that at all and draw the parallel between Worf's overconfidence in Martok and making him act too late and Dax's clear lack of confidence in Worf. The bigger <laughs> problem is that there is a better and deeper story out here and it hinges around the question, why is Martok given this windless record ship with its awful crew for his first <laughs> mission back? <laughs> it's true, they were setting him up to fail, huh? Hey, is Gowron already afraid of him? Uh-huh, yeah. This yeah. is the thing. Is it a kind of censure? Does Gowron want him to fail? Does yeah. Martok think that's what's happening? And is that part of his weird caution about this? Like he thinks yes. the whole thing is a trap. Yeah, they could have talked what? about that stuff. Martok was popular with the troops. They have said that before. And maybe yep. his coming back from that camp makes people be like, it's a legend or something. And maybe Gowron's right. already going, that guy? <laughs> no, you can give that. Find the worst ship and give him that. Right. <clears throat> so it's like, what are the stakes outside of this ship rescue? What's the political game? Why is this Martok's mission? Why does he get this ship, et cetera, et cetera? Yeah. And that's not in the episode. It's not a part of the episode. It's not even subtext. Yeah, it's true. Someone should say something. Someone should go, wait, what? Why'd they give you that? Aren't you a general? What's happening? Is this an insult or a trap or a <clears throat> test or what? Yeah, that's true. Uh, then central casting let these guys down because the rough and tough Klingons look like... Um, a tall guy with very sad eyes and slumping shoulders and a Klingon O'Brien with a dozen chicken wing bones on a necklace. <laughs> well, that was the part um, that didn't make any sense. Odo's like, these guys look pretty tough. And I was like, well, they kind of don't. And then they turned out to definitely not be very tough. Could they not get, could they not get the old guy who was like, listen, your name's a curse. <laughs> hey, 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 son of, yeah. son of Mo, you, you said, why don't you, you come over go. here? Why don't you come over here? Hold on a second, buddy. I got a couple of things I want to say to you over here real quiet where no one can see because I'm not trying to embarrass you. I think this is a good place to start with this conversation. The things I'm about to say are going to be extremely hurtful. Very cutting. But what I mean is for you to feel better about all this and just kind of go about your day. So here's the thing. Your name, it means like, means like fuck, fucking, it fucking cunt balls or something i don't know what's the worst thing you can think of that's your name where i come from on the planet chronos so why don't we just why don't we 
you just walk over here? Why don't you have a drink at the bar? I have some prune juice I think I heard you order earlier. You're probably going to want to keep that one under wraps as well. And uh, why don't you just enjoy your day? So the moke was it? Okay, have a good one. Thank you. Bye, bye now. <laughs> uh, anyway, this wasn't a bad watch, but it wasn't deep or nuanced. Uh, so I only gave it a five. Okay. Uh, what about world building? Yeah, we've got Tovadok, which humans wouldn't understand, but it just seems to be like you looked at a dude and you knew he was about to fucking quit, and then he knew that you knew, so then you didn't quit. I feel like humans who play football or something would know. Yeah, I feel like you can see it in the huddle. I think you look at someone and you go, oh, this guy's about to fuck. Yeah, he's, he's not blocking he ain't shit. He got it no more. He ain't yeah. blocking shit out here. <laughs> uh, we got Klingon command protocols. We got a sea shanty. Also, apparently, failing in a challenge against your commander isn't a big deal. No one even thinks war should be punished in any way. <laughs> no, I guess winning that him. battle with the Jem'Hadar just meant everything was forgiven there. Yeah. Uh, this would have been worth a lot more points if I understood why Martok was given the ship in the mission, right? So That would have been uh, pretty just big. A, just a two for world building for me. I agreed. It was a two. I also had Tova Dok. All the rules Dax lays out about serving on a Klingon ship, which, again, I'm pretty sure we heard in, like, a TNG episode once upon a time. This crew in particular lays out the differences between fighting the Cardis and fighting the Jem'Hadar, for whatever that's worth. Pretty easy to join a Klingon house. A guy just goes, so, uh, will you? <laughs> and another guy goes, yeah, sure. And one guy gives the other guy a metal thing for his sash, and then they are legally married, I guess. Probably. Really just... Uh, now he's now he's Martok's Parmakai. <laughs> I'm surprised no one accused him of that in the episode. In the 90s, you could make lots of cool jokes about the gays, so... um, Really just some Klingon stuff, which is similar to what we've seen before. So, just a two. What about <laughs> characterization, though? Yeah, Nog hates reporting to Worf, but he's just little leaking it this week. Um, Martok got a little scared of the Jem'Hadar during his time in their camp, but he doesn't know how to admit it. It's cool, though. He just needed the W to get over it. What are you talking about? The first thing he tells Worf is that he was afraid in the... Yeah, I know, but then, the like, the whole okay. rest of the time he's like, Oh, no, this is, uh, I'm making a business decision. And it's like, what? What are you talking about? That ship, that ship's just flying. Around. We can just blow it up right now and just be on our way. And he's like, "No, no, no. This is." Uh, he is going to. You wouldn't it's a understand sound business decision. You yeah. wouldn't. Under, you don't know about. You don't know about finance. And this is what I'm doing makes a lot of sense. Um, Worf won't wear his emblem, his little sash and all that shit, on a Klingon ship because his house doesn't exist. But he loves showing it off on Starfleet ships. Yeah, they don't know nothing about nothing. He's like, I'm gonna look so cool to these idiots. They just think that means he's Klingon. They don't. They don't <laughs> even think the little stuff on it means anything. It's true. The more he wears it, the less he has to shout that he's a Klingon. Uh, he makes the big sacrifice to get Martok back on track after basically fucking up the whole rest of the episode because he doesn't know about Klingon stuff. Dax follows Worf on this assignment, which I think would naturally make somebody pretty pissed off if your girlfriend was just like. I'm also on this mission now. And you'd be like, what the fuck? We're literally, I'm I mean, going to the ship now. Why am I just finding this out? But anyway. He's been dating Dax for months, though. This must be, like, 
This is just how she is. Oh, like the time she was like, I'm uh, fucking my wrestling teacher right now. And he was like, oh, I wish you had told me that earlier. Something like that. Wasn't that guy her wrestling teacher? The guy who looked like he was from Final Fight? Was that a uh, lie? I mean, was that a cool was... lie she told? <laughs> I that thought that joke? was an interaction she had with Kira, but I don't know. Was, was that? No, no, no. I know. I'm just saying. Oh. <laughs> she probably says stuff like that to him all the time. But was that a... Did she say wrestling teacher? Yes. So, yes. Exactly. It feels like that was a... That might have been a euphemism. Um... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, uh, she's much better at Klingon stuff than him anyway. She's very interested in the morale situation on the Rataran. She gets deep into it. Uh, Little League for everybody else. Uh, Just a four for me. When we met the real Martok in the prison camp, Mm -hmm. he was a better Klingon than Worf. Yeah. Less dogmatic, more understanding, like of what Garrick was going through in the walls Garrick, and everything. If, if you think about it, from a certain point of view, Garrick's the real hero here. As we but say, like, as like, the camera slowly zooms in on his scared face. <laughs> Hold on, it's still zooming in. We can keep talking. He's. <laughs> we should. We have, songs will be sung of his great deeds. Okay, they've they swear they switched to another shot. <laughs> Uh, it's like you kind of see how this guy became a general. Like, some Klingons have to be competent. There have to be some of them. Yes. Yeah. But now, this episode feels like it's walking some of it back. Like, oh, by the way, it turns out we've been seeing a broken man, and Worf has to get him back to Klingon normal. Yeah, it's weird. They did, they, it's like, they took that episode, and they went, but that wasn't really the truth. Because then, mm-hmm. not only is all the stuff about Martok backwards, but Worf is like, honestly, I, I wasn't that heroic. It was Martok who got me through it. And you're like, why didn't they show that in the episode then, buddy? Because we got to see your whole plot in that episode, and that wasn't in it. I mean, he was there, yeah, that, and he was like, go Worf, but like, that's not nothing. The interaction I remember was Martok telling Worf he'd done enough. <laughs> you'd think. You'd think the part where Worf is about to break and maybe let himself get killed will make it into the episode, but yeah, <laughs> guess not. Uh, yeah, so I don't love them walking it back. Uh, I do like Worf not really knocking it out of the park. Well, Dax is actually a lot more comfortable down in the decks. Yeah. The big thing for me is I'm not sure I really understand him accepting Martok's house at the end. Yeah. That that feels a little less motivated. There's like two lines about how these warriors on this ship may not like that he has no family association, mm-hmm. but it doesn't seem to bother Worf, and it's hard to figure out how this fits in his arc. Like, is this him accepting that there is no House of Moog now that his brother's been mind-wiped and... (laughs) And no one knows who did it. We're all looking for the guy who did it. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know who could have said yes to this. Uh, (laughs) Like, he's adjusting his expectations of what life in the Empire might look like. Uh, It's not really explained. It's definitely a character show, but it was one that left things a little open-ended for me, so I also only gave it a four. Actually, I want you to downgrade me to a three, because there are some things that i just thinking about now actually are pretty annoying. So, <laughs> Like, maybe it was bad character work. Like, negative. Yeah. Negative character work. <clears throat> All right, well, uh, quick ones, then. Yep. Yeah. Um, who's naming these ships? Bamoth doesn't sound right to me, but Rotaran is even worse somehow. 
Maybe that's how. The, maybe you've got a ship with a bad name. Like, what's the opposite of Rosanna? If your ship's the Rosanna and that's a great <laughs> name, the opposite of that is it just mean you're gonna fail. You, you go on board. Like every time you see the, you get close to the ship and the screen gives a little Chiron on the bottom and it's like Rosanna, you've made it. But in this case, it's Rotarin, and everyone just goes. Ugh. Okay, well, that doesn't even sound Klingon. I don't even know what I'm doing here, and honestly. It doesn't have an apostrophe in it anywhere. This game's not cool like it used to be. I don't want to play it anymore. Yeah. Maybe that's what it's like. Um, I guess the docking procedure for a bird of prey is to roll up cloaked until you're 80 meters from the station, and then hit a hard J-turn into the docking ring, <laughs> and then, I guess... Climb through the torpedo tube onto the station because that's the part that docked. <laughs> I really would like to see a scene of them doing that. <laughs> Just fucking marine crawling right through that fucking torpedo tube. <laughs> yeah. And then I asked if this was Chekhov's primer on Klingon mutiny rules, and of course it was. Uh huh. Yeah, she made that pretty clear, I think. She almost said, Just so you guys understand what happens when we get back. Uh, we talked about this in the last Deep Space Nine, but watching this one, I kept thinking, oh, Jadzia Dax is a little goblin too, huh? Another role better played by Jun So Min? Yeah. I mean, they should replace them all with the cast of Running Man. She, like, shows up and Kira's like, were you fucking your wrestling coach? And she was like, <laughs> yep. That's right. And then she just drops her pants. And yeah, then everyone's like, be. all right. Starts to drop her pants and everyone has to try to cover for her. Because <laughs> she has to pee so bad. She's just going to do it right there if they don't let her go to the bathroom. Um, yeah, you know, you got Kwang Su playing Odo, just constantly <laughs> fucking up every security search and self-sabotaging all the time. <laughs> be a good show. It would be a good show. Like, I go, I could, like we talked about it. I got to get back to Running Man. I got to start watching yeah. it again. I'm craving it. Do you think that Cornyn modified his uniform to look like Picard's casual jacket undershirt intentionally? <laughs> Did he see has... Picard somewhere and he was like, oh, actually, I like that look, but what you... if it was sleeveless? You know how Kira is a public figure on Cardassia? Yeah. I think that's what Picard is like on the Klingon homeworld. He was just so fucking hardcore as Chadich. And he... then the arbiter of Gauron's succession? And the 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 big, uh... <sighs> I don't know, what, you, what you'd call him. His fucking had his thumb on the scales and decided who the leader of the empire was and everything. There's probably a lot of people who hate him for that, but I bet he's hella famous. <clears throat> probably. Uh, let's see. Do you think Dax and Worf ever had a conversation about where she was sleeping? Because she tells that guy her bed's as empty as his, but, you know, not. In her case, it's by choice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and everyone's like, like oh, shit. She didn't tell Worf she was coming on this mission at all, so maybe they just assigned her quarters. But, um, yeah. I mean, they aren't living together on Deep Space Nine either. She's got to borrow his opera sticks. Yeah, he lives on the Defiant. Because he's the worst. Uh, no quirk this week. I also thought I had noticed that. I was like, even I don't when there's a scene quark. in Quarks, there's no Quark. That's where I thought I had missed him. I was like, nah, he's in everything. He must have just been at the bar and I wasn't paying attention. <laughs> I thought it was weird that Martok wasn't at all offended that Worf let him win the fight. Yeah, because he knew. But then he's like just he like, must still be pretty broken, right? Thanks for doing me that solid. It's somehow he's got worked. a W now, but he's it's... like, <laughs> I mean, you're through with that fight, but I don't, 
Yeah, I wouldn't have won. It's, so. we- it's weird that it worked. Like, I do feel better. It's kind of weird, because I know that was fake. But, oh well. I guess it's like how when you win a wrestling championship, you still feel pretty good at the end of the day. Like, I did, <laughs> I did, I'm the world champion. I did good. Do you think that if you go into a Klingon surplus store, you can just buy, like, a House of Martok emblem? <laughs> or just start wearing it on your sash? <laughs> just walk around. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, yeah I'm, a, uh, I'm a retainer. I'm one of the many retainers. Yeah, I mean, I stolen Valor, I guess. <laughs> I'm not claiming to be Martok himself. That's right. There's probably a bunch of House of Moog ones in surplus stores now, huh? Uh, they made up a bunch of them, but the house doesn't exist, and so you can go buy that thing that looks like a octopus, I think. It's a good what design. Took off of Maybe it's a Kraken. Maybe it's like a, a, a crackling on Kraken or something. Uh, directed by LeVar Burton. Oh, okay. Good for him. Uh, I gave best actor to Leskett being all bitter when Martok says to go around the nebula and he just turns back to his post with a fucking disgusted look on his face. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that was pretty And good. then I give worst actor to Bashir because I couldn't tell. It, was he exhausted in the turbo lift to ops? Because as soon as he gets up there, he's just like, oh, it's fascinating work. I can't tell you anything about it. I love that I can't tell you anything about it. <laughs> So I didn't understand what he was physically portraying, I'm saying. I'm not sure the actor understood. I think that might have been his problem. So, um... Yeah, I felt so bad for this actress playing the Klingon broad. You know, the... I don't know if there were yeah. other broads, but the main broad. Tovana. They went ham on her teeth, man. <laughs> it looked so hard to talk or, like, close her mouth. Imagine this actress showed up. She's like, I got speaking lines on the Star Trek episode. This is going to be great. And then she gets out of makeup and she's like, they, went, my, they got the clownest fucking teeth on this entire show. Look at my fucking teeth. They don't fit in my Ew. face. The worst thing was the inside of the prosthetic had Vecma written on it in Sharpie. And <laughs> she's like, I don't like, know what that don't means. Fit, it doesn't fit my teeth. Is that a code? Is that what this is made of? What is Vecma? Uh... No wonder Leskett is so shifty. That name sounds extremely unklingon to me. That sounds like a straight Ferengi name. That sounds like Quark's dad or something. Um, worst actor candidate for me was that half Viking blonde Klingon that Dax bullies. Yeah, who says she's Worf's Parmakai and he spits at the cardies later. He was doing some fucking Muppet voices out there. He did not know what a Klingon was. They're like, be tough, but like a monster. And he was like, I hate the Cardis. <laughs> What's happening with this guy? Anyway, that's all I had. Well, the winner last week was uh, The Next Generation. This week we watched Cause and Effect. <laughs> Toss salad and scrambled eggs. <laughs> uh, the Enterprise's starboard nacelle has been hit in a collision, and they're venting drive plasma. Also, Rolaren has a severe new haircut. Thank you. That's what the we actually the whole teaser. Marjan and I just talked about her hair. <laughs> I knew the I've Enterprise... seen this episode. I knew what happens. The Enterprise blows up, dude. I know it's pretty. It's gone. This is an important one. This is an important one for the series because that's uh, 
because there ain't no more Enterprise, I guess. You can see the little plastic nacelle cap <laughs> floating off into space, and it's empty. Yeah, it's not good. It's probably Rose's fault, honestly. Her haircut blew up the whole ship. It doesn't seem like her haircut was the problem, yeah. But after the credits, Picard is giving a normal captain's log, not about any of that. Uh-huh. Instead, he's talking about entering the Typhon Expanse. Uh-huh. And, uh, which I think was created by Ultros. Do I remember that correct? Or yeah. is Typhon Ultros's buddy? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's his buddy, and he, he expanded. He continues to expand. So, Captain's Log, and then... I think you mean Chupon is the correct... <laughs> the correct translation of that name. It's Chupon, isn't it? Chupon. Hold on a second. Hey, Woolsey? What's happening, man? Hey, man. You having a we long night questions. out here? You need to get off work, and you need to maybe just relax for a little. I know there's a deadline, but you didn't, you're didn't. you not doing a very good job anymore. You're kind of hurting the project, so maybe put in fewer hours. Hey, man, have some checks, mix, and relax. I assume that's what your notes were about. <laughs> Let's do, let's do that math where you do. Do less work and maybe the work will be better and that'll be a good compromise. <sighs> yes, I did name After my notes. The, uh, eat some pretzels or Chex Mix or something and chill the fuck out, man. <laughs> After the captain's log, we cut to a poker game. It's Riker, Data, Worf, and Crusher. Riker loses a big hand and he's kind of a baby about it. Yeah, then... that's what my notes are. That's what the name of my notes are about. <laughs> He takes it super hard as a real fucking B-word about it. And I was just like, yo, we're playing cards. He fucking says to Dr. Crusher, who just beat him, (laughs) just just beat him him. by the the normal way you beat someone playing poker. He says to her, better to be lucky than good, I guess. (laughs) I was like, eat shit. That's what I said. I said, yo, man, this is a card game. Can you just fucking relax? Just like do whatever snacks Data has provided. This is Data's quarters, right? I have no idea. Just like. Data's got the visor, so I assume so. Just like fucking oh god, can you imagine he's the, he fucking brings it with him? He goes, oh yeah, he does. He walks he walks through it. the ship holding it out in front of him in his hands because he doesn't know how to do it casually. <laughs> and people are like, oh, he's got the uh, accountant's visor again. I guess it's fucking poker night. People no, I didn't get invited. Did you get? Did you get invited to? No, no. not you either, huh? No. I heard Ben got invited, but he's not going. <laughs> Dude. People doing fucking data impressions all over the ship, holding stuff awkwardly out in front of him. He never gets it, though. He never figures out it's about him. It's like, I've noticed that people him. have been walking differently lately, and people are like, yeah, no, I don't know what that's about. Yeah, people do walk weird, huh? <laughs> uh, anyway, he's a baby It's just about a human it. thing, Data. Someday you'll understand when you are finally human. <laughs> <laughs> when your dream comes true. When you become a solid flesh and blood man, Data. <laughs> Then you'll understand. It's gonna happen. Then you'll know why people walk so funny. Um. Anyway, Crusher's got to go to sick bay. LaForge is in there. He had some vertigo, and he's got a couple of valid complaints about the lack of safety rails. But no one <laughs> listens about that. But as usual, <laughs> she says to him, it "Sounds like stress to me." <laughs> happens a lot on that ship. It's a stressful place. She does get a little deja vu about the whole experience, but he doesn't remember ever having had these symptoms before. Hmm. So she forgets it. She goes back to her quarters, puts on her PJs, starts trimming up some orchids, getting ready for bed. I got five hundred notes about her (laughs) and all of this shit. Honestly, this episode is Remember Me Too, and that's not how I think of it at all. No. 
No, but you're totally uh, right. She is the instigator in all this shit. The whole the time. 99% chance that if Beverly Crusher's not on board, Enterprise is trapped in the rift for 100 <laughs> years like the fucking Bozeman. Yeah, exactly. They just run into each other forever. <laughs> on the fucking Bozeman, what Morgan Freeman should have said was, I ran cream soda a long time ago. <laughs> Morgan Bateson. <laughs> yeah, you're right. He hasn't had cream soda. Walker Keel should have said... <laughs> <laughs> we banned cream soda on the ship a long time ago, but we're still getting deja vu getting every deja day. Vu, it, we'll definitely get into it, but the deja vu builds and builds and builds. Imagine being in there for 90 years, you're just walking around the whole time, you're like, oh my god, I've got the worst fucking deja vu. I have deja just vu about same, talking about deja vu. It's just the same day, right? Not, But he just has 90 years worth of deja vu in one day. So the first thing he should have said to the Enterprise was, have you ever had a whole day of deja vu where you remembered literally everything that happened? Honestly, it's well, so everyone on this ship has one. Very distracting. I've had a distracting day. Anyway, what's up with your ship? Anyway, as soon as Crusher gets into bed and closes her eyes, she starts to hear um, schism-style chattering mm, and yes, uh, yes. breaks a glass trying to turn the light back on even though they're voice controlled honestly this is remember me part two in schisms part one just yeah, 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 yeah in many ways uh well she wouldn't be dr crusher if she didn't insist on bringing up the incident the f- in the following briefing the morning mm-hmm. briefing and um i mean picard's a broken man at this point he doesn't even roll his eyes about it he just no, no, tells no. data to recheck the sensor logs i caught him rolling his eyes at it you think he rolled his eyes As in the first loop? As she's saying she heard voices, they show him do a reaction face that seems annoyed and like he knows what's coming. <laughs> yeah, he knows he's going to have to do his fucking job. He goes, okay, yes. I'm, for a second, I didn't control my face, but I'm back on and nobody noticed. I'm confident. <laughs> uh, but at this point, Worf calls up and says there's a distortion 20,000 kilometers off the starboard bow. Hmm. Doesn't look like much on the view screen, but Picard asks Rhoda back away from it. Except they can't. The yeah. navigation's down, and then all the other systems go down, and then an old starship bursts through the distortion, and with 30 seconds left, Picard has to decide between Riker's plan to decompress the shuttle bay or Data's plan to use the tractor beam on the ship. He picks Data's plan like any person would. Just yes. anyone. Anyone would say, hey, Riker had a plan and Data had a plan. You'd say Data's plan. <laughs> That's right. Well, Data certainly thought that. That guy's Riker good at gives his plan except chess. Because <laughs> Riker gives his plan, and Data goes, "I got a better plan." <laughs> <laughs> All right, now let me turn around in my chair. Listen, I th- I think I've picked up over the years that I'm not supposed to do the thing I'm doing, but my plan's better. Um, my programming <laughs> said don't accept any plan from this guy. So <laughs> what I'm saying is, I it's been dead air since he said his i waited an appropriate amount of time about a second and now i have a plan could you please consider this one he fucking wheeled around his chair hey listen the briefing studies say that Riker forgets that we have a tractor beam <laughs> highly emphasized he just Riker forgets adds. about it <laughs> so we should probably do that um but there's still a glancing blow on the nacelle and we're back in the scene from the cold open and the enterprise blows up again oh boy Now we get the opening captain's log again, and then the poker scene, but it's slightly different this time. They refilmed it, and now different things are said because it's that Voyager episode. Yep. (laughs) Riker, except it's supposed to be different in this one. Riker gets deja vu about his bluff being called, 
And also, Ogawa calls before the hand even finishes, although I think that's just for the TV and not actually supposed to be different. Yeah. Um, both Jordy and Crusher have deja vu in the sick bay scene, so they check the medical logs, but there's just no record of this having happened before. Mm. I guess that's not quite enough to send Crusher to Picard's office because she goes back to her quarters for bedtime and has the glass breaking incident again. And now she goes up to his office to talk. Yeah. And he tells her that he had a little deja vu too, reading yeah. his book. So go ahead and wake Jordy up. And, you know, even though he was just in sick bay, have him spend the whole <laughs> night running a shipwide diagnostic so we could talk about it at 7 a.m. I just, I can only imagine they expect when someone alerts Jordy that then he will then delegate. And then Jordy <laughs> just, again, just goes, oh, they called me specifically. They're probably going to want to make sure I do a good job. Yeah, but he also My, knows they're going to call him to ask how it went. And, I'm so uh, fucking dizzy, but I guess I'll just do it. <laughs> um, They don't find anything in the logs, of course, and here comes the anomaly again. Yeah. Uh, Everything plays out the same except for a few more close-ups of Beverly looking confused and the ship blows up. Yeah. Captain's Log, poker game. But this time, Beverly knows what cards are going to be dealt. Mm. And then everyone knows, and they all repeat it dramatically, waiting for a turn. As the camera zooms like, around. As a, as I'm going to get to say a couple, too, right? When the camera looks at me, <laughs> I'm going to say, deuce, six. <laughs> he does say deuce. Fuck this guy. <laughs> God. <clears throat> and we cut to sick bay, and Picard's there, and Beverly's explaining the deja vu, and... That she dug a little deeper and found a phase shift in Jordy's visor. Something about the local decky on field. Yeah. And she's so worked up this time that it's all shaky hand cam work in her bedroom. And she doesn't put on her jammies. And she has a tricorder handy to record the noises when they happen. Yeah, she waits. She knows those. She knows something fucked up's about to happen. In engineering, they play back and isolate the sounds. And Data can make out the voices of the thousand individual crew people. So they hold the briefing a little early. <clears throat> Jordy lays out the theory that they've been stuck in a temporal causality loop. I'm sorry, did you just pass time? over the scene where Data admits that just like Santa Claus, he's seen everyone's junk, but only to look for <laughs> tattoos? Not that year. Because <laughs> he points out that some of the people were fucking. He does say that some of the people were fucking. Yeah. And Picard's irritated to hear that. Yep, doesn't know, want it. that news. Just like he doesn't me. want to know about it. He says, He's not, not in my Star Trek. Thank you. <laughs> He's I've not never okay done it. About I it. don't want anyone else to do it because it scares me. I'm scared of it. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so they're repeating the same moments of time over and over again. No way of knowing how long it's been happening. Data plays three segments of sound from the cold open, offering the theory that the Enterprise was destroyed near a space-time distortion, rupturing time, and creating the loop they're trapped in. And if they can avoid the collision, maybe they can break the loop. Hmm. Um, Jordy wants a little insurance on this, though. In case they can't figure it out this time, yeah. he wants to send some information into the next loop, into Data's brain, Unfortunately, it'll be on a subconscious level, and they have no idea how that'll manifest. But they finish working on Data's Dome just in time to get called to the bridge. Same options, same choice, tractor beam. And when that doesn't work, Data takes a second to push some buttons on his armband. Yeah. <clears throat> Captain's Log. Poker game. 
Beverly tries to guess the cards, but this time Data deals all threes to everyone's surprise, and then he deals everyone three of a kind. Yeah. Also, for some reason, he's dealing right at the center of the table this time. <laughs> uh, but I guess that's not the cause of the time loop, he right? Knew. So... He knew. He picked it up by context that that's where they <laughs> wanted him to put the cards. <laughs> right. He's good at context um, now is what I'm saying. Yes, he is. He's better at it this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, we get the sick base scene again. <laughs> then Data sees a tons of threes in engineering and he's like, yeah, it's a real threes day, man. I don't know. <laughs> I just keep seeing, I'm seeing them all over. Anyway. Then Crusher calls up with the voices call. Uh, then they're in the briefing room, although this time it appears they did hold it at 7 a.m. Doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's new information. The number three is everywhere. Before they can get into why that might be, it's anomaly time. As Worf engages the tractor beam, Data sees Riker's three pips and decompresses the shuttle bay, blowing Enterprise clear. Yeah. Uh, it turns out they've been stuck in the loop for 17 days. Yeah. And then the other ship calls up, and it's the USS Bozeman, Soyuz class, out of service for 80 years. And yeah. the captain is Frager, and yeah, he thinks Frazier. it's 2278, end of episode. He's confident, too. He's like, I fucking... Uh, 2278. <laughs> he's like, for some reason, he's very proud of knowing this. He's like, fucking nail yeah. them. These guys, He's like, I listen, this is the em. first thing I don't have deja vu about all day, so... <laughs> he's feeling pretty good about I will that. tell you. It's 2278. Like, can I thank you for calling? I'm glad you guys called us, because this is the first thing that isn't weirding me out today. And I'm, I don't even know why that is, because your uniform's weird and your ship's weird, but I just yeah, feel everything about this actually better. should be weird. I feel so good we... that I'm going to confidently tell you what year it is. 22. Someone just said, the biggest ship I've ever seen is ahead. <laughs> and then we hit it. <laughs> What's this one about? <sighs> Don't ignore good advice just because it comes from a gurgling, steaming <laughs> trash can full of toxic waste with a beard. I don't know. This episode isn't about hot takes, right? It's just an attempt to do a cool time loop thing. Yeah. But Data does totally ignore Riker's idea. Just talks right over him. Probably because, again, his software said, Riker said it, disqualified. But I guess it's true. Good advice is good advice, even if it comes from Mike Popham. So just that's a shared <laughs> reference for you and me to use on this. But yeah, so, he didn't deal out a lot of good advice. No, but if he did, it would be unwise to disqualify it just because he said it. And he um, was mostly just mad at his stepdad. Yeah, I can't. I can't blame him. I didn't really get into their whole deal, but it didn't seem like. Well, you know what? This isn't his therapy. He can have his own podcast. Um, and oh, I bet a, he does. What if everyone called? does? Everyone fucking uh, oh, it's well, it's definitely play on pop. Uh, maybe it's a pop music podcast. Ooh, and it's uh, top of the popums or something. It's probably a Swifty. Probably, I give it a five. Did you hear that part? All right, I'll write five. Hold All on, right, thank you. <clears throat> write it on the screen, sharp. I did. Thank you. I did. What about um, you? What did you think? Uh, well, I don't think this is advice for an actual time loop, so <laughs> maybe it's something like, with a little introspection, you can recognize unhelpful patterns in your life and make small changes to avert disaster? Okay. Um, it's pretty cooked. So you think Frazier probably wasn't looking in the mirror enough? I mean... <laughs> The episode does invite you to ask why his ship was stuck in there for 90 years. 
They're the Rotaran. <laughs> I mean, they are the Rotaran. <laughs> Starfleet. They're, actually, they're probably the reason the Soyuz class was taken out of service, <laughs> but the Miranda class, which is 90% similar components, is still in service. It wasn't good when, they, when they're like uh, emergency briefing the... Um, the Bozeman's gone missing, and everyone went fucking figures. <laughs> oh yeah, Bateson. Yeah, these I bet. Fucking guys. I bet they've gone missing. All the fucking thing. You know, he was always blaming it on his senior staff. But that guy was fucking brain dead. They probably went missing right into an asteroid. You know, he got the date wrong on his academy <laughs> exams. He got the date wrong. Now he like he said he like it was taught him a lesson. And he would always get the date right forever after that. But like he thought it was twenty two forty three. It was unfucking believe. No one could believe it. No one's seen that before. Wrong year. Crazy. Um, no, it's not a lot. They did a time travel show. I gave it three points. Sure. That's fair. Uh, what about execution? I mean, they did a couple of things right here for sure. Uh, none of the repeated scenes are reuses. Most yeah, of them unfold slightly differently. But even the few that run exactly the same, they use, like, different camera shots. Mm-hmm. So... Like, they only filmed that the scene where the ship blows up, like, one or two times. They didn't film it six times. Yeah. Uh, but they just had three or four cameras on the bridge when they yeah, did Yeah, man, they, they weren't going to waste all those models. They needed to keep right. some of those models, for sure. But they were like, well, we can't just show them the exact same clip. Like, you got to <laughs> no. do it at least a little bit different every time. No, because by the third time, it would be comedic. Then you want, yeah. the people at home would be laughing, and that's not what you're looking for here. And uh, by the way, it did not help. Some people definitely called to complain that there was something wrong with the tape <laughs> when it first aired. Well, um, it was the good old days. There was a yeah. day where you could call and ream somebody at the newspaper because they didn't find it on your lawn that day or whatever. <laughs> it's the good old days. Yeah, so I'm not going to say that it rewards repeat watching um, or careful watching even, but at least shows they put some effort in. Do you know when, when I worked at the newspaper, a guy called one time to ask me what the score on the Red Sox game was? <laughs> and I went, uh, I don't know, you watching TV? It's on, the, the game's on. And he was like, well, you don't know anything, do you? And Did someone like, route what? that call to you? Well, I just, uh, someone routed it to sports, for sure. <laughs> and I picked up, probably because I was expecting a report on the road from a stringer or something, and I was like, uh, and I was totally caught off guard, and I was like, what? You asking me what the score is in the red? Side? That's not how this works. Yo, the score will be in the newspaper, buddy. Like, <laughs> fucking wait you for the Patriot Ledger to come out. <laughs> I don't even know if you're a subscriber. Yeah, that's right. Prove to me you're paying us thirty cents per paper or whatever, and then perhaps I will tell you the current score. If you'd said to that guy, "Uh huh," do you have your account number handy? <laughs> that would have been a much wittier thing than what I said, which was probably, "I, I don't, I'm not, I don't have it on." <laughs> Which made him mad because we were the sports department. But the, the uh, story about the Patriot th- Ledger: no one in the sports department was from Boston, and no one liked the Red Sox. <laughs> Every time there was a Red Sox game on, and the Red Sox did something good, you'd hear the news department cheering and the sports department booing. Yeah. Anyway, <clears throat> um, another thing they like uh, that they did that I liked was I thought that they threw a little bit of a predestination paradox in here, or, mm. or like the threat of one, because nothing Beverly Crusher does stops her from breaking that glass. Even the she last breaks time. It every single loop, even though it's in different places in her room. And even, even the last time, we don't see how she breaks it. We just hear her break. She breaks it and she turns around and she goes, You. <laughs> I knew it. 
So that's like, are they going to be able to break the time loop, right? Even though, of course, there it's Star Trek. But They um, even have kind of a redo of the conversation they had in the one where the cycle ends here or whatever. Yes. Where they're trying to figure out whether they should try to avoid it or if that's what causes it. They do like a, a brief version of that in this one. Yep. Um, It's not perfect. Doing every loop differently means that there's some distracting time dilation. Mm. Like... Nurse Ogawa always calls Dr. Crusher right when their card conversation ends, even if it's 90 <laughs> seconds less time than it was in the first loop or whatever. Sure. Sometimes Worf's reply comes quicker than it did in the previous scene, the previous yes. loop. And you're like, well, he really stepped on Riker with that line. But he's also sitting very close to him from this shot. And that seems weird. Like in the above shot, they're sitting. That table's tiny. Man, how do they not see each other's cards? Anyway, I was distracted by the positioning of all the little control pads also. <laughs> like, they, it hadn't occurred to them that the whole table could be a control surface, right? Yeah, I know. They've got little individual pads at each seat. Um, <clears throat> in the most of the destruction loops, the tractor beam is active for like one second. Mm-hmm. But then in the last loop, there's like 15 seconds of beeping well, and data beeping. has to make lots of realizations and stuff. Yeah, so that data can look up at Riker, say out loud, the tractor beam will not be affected, <laughs> and vent the shuttle bay. So okay. it's like, uh, so, that, you know, it, it, they film it very differently in some cases in a way that you have to be like, I guess there were a lot of edits before. Yeah, before we didn't get to see the whole deal. Yeah, um, and the uh, crisis is underwritten. Hmm. the tractor beam so nearly works that it definitely would have worked if they'd done it right away. So the pattern they really need to break is using 15 of their 30 seconds. So Picard can gather options from the crew. Yes. Or as either option would have succeeded offline. Just don't let Worf do it. (laughs) Yeah, that's true too. Data, you do the tractor beam. I mean, even when they show it, it doesn't look like he did it right. Looks like he just kind of, (laughs) hard like gives a hard right turn or something it's like a hard left turn it's like i don't know he probably could have just directed it better probably hey the ship is real thin so up <laughs> yeah just point up. it point it better point it better but no it goes to wharf in every loop and he's just not that's not his skill you know yeah and then the solution is predicated on data noticing Riker's three pips but data also has three pips anyway <laughs> <laughs> but he's not looking right at them, though. I know. I it's it. under his his but growing it, chin. <laughs> it is like that's the th- that's how he thinks of Riker as old three pips. <laughs> In his mind, clearly, that's well. He's reduced everyone on the ship down to one single number, so yeah. that way he can keep better track of them. Yeah, several people have three pips, but Riker's three. Everyone else has to be two and a half or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, they do enough to make this show pretty watchable. I give it a five. Okay, uh, I guess I'm just a little bit higher. Um, first of all, hard to give them a ton of points for the take that I gave since they did not mean to give it to us. They attempted no take. Um, and let's try to remember that these narrative devices with the repeating loops and everything like that were probably not completely hack in nine deuce. No, the producers don't worry, are very defensive and very careful to point out that this episode came out before Groundhog Day. That's right. (laughs) Exactly. They actually saw our episode is, is my working theory. Um, Which came out in 93, so it must have been filming at the time this happened, but still. Yeah. Uh, still, it was hard for me to ignore my complete, thorough memorization of this episode. <laughs> like, nothing about it surprised or impressed me anymore, and I tr- I don't think it was the episode's fault. I've seen it a hundred times. 
and a lot of this episode sort of rely, relies on your surprise at the loops starting over and and their solutions and the schisms moments where they have to map like they're going around doing the cards and all that stuff. Um, what I will say is, as a kid, I always actually liked this one. It wasn't part of the one fifty bad ones. Yeah, uh, I think because the looping structure was different and fun, but now it. It doesn't, it doesn't have those qualities for me anymore. Um, the card guessing scene, the breaking down the voices in Crusher's quarter scene, the the change up with all of Data's threes coming out in that last loop, they all kind of work. And I think that's it's in a schisms kind of way where you're just kind of creeped out the whole time and not really sure what's happening. Um, so I think generally it works. Also, everyone seems like a pro. Right, this is one of the TNG episodes where everyone seems like a pro and not one of the ones where they seem like a bunch of dopes who get taken over by a fucking Tetris or whatever. <laughs> and um, so they do a good job figuring this out in like a few loops, or as we see a few loops or whatever. And that's also why TNG is especially disappointing when the script has them act irrational or stupid, because this is the good TNG where they seem like they're on the ball or whatever. Um, bit of a nitpick. Picard waits until after the crisis is averted to check a Federation time-based beacon or whatever he calls it. They state no reason why they couldn't have checked it before that. Oh, yeah. You're absolutely right. When they say we have no way of knowing how long we've been in this loop. (laughs) And then they resolve it and And he goes, check a Federation time beacon. (laughs) Exactly. And then it's like, you could have done it in the briefing. You could have been in the briefing room and just been like, call popcorn right now. See how long, see if there's any difference. And then they would have been like, yeah, we're like 17 days off. And they would have been like, oh my God, we're, this is fucked up. You know what I mean? But then afterward, he's like, now, <clears throat> now that we have, I assume broken the loop. I have no proof of this. I, uh, now we can <laughs> right. check the Federation. I, we don't know when the loop ends, but I haven't <laughs> said all hands abandoned ship yet. Like, I've, I just got to look at this captain on the other ship. He is capable of accidentally piloting his ship into ours again. <laughs> So actually, we should keep our distance just in case. But like, it was so weird. All right, crisis averted. Then they hear beep, beep, (laughs) beep, beep, and then a big explosion. I just thought that was really weird. Like, wait, why are you checking it now? Why couldn't you check it an hour ago? Anyway, um, or 10 minutes ago, I guess. Do you Uh, think that for the next, like, month, every time someone had deja vu, they went and looked at the fucking Federation standard time beacon? (laughs) Exactly. They're like, oh, no, I guess we're still moving at normal time. Uh, Unless data changed the clocks data. <laughs> to, to fucking cover up some fucking clues. Man, if I was writing a story about it, I'd call it clues. This is like the fifth or sixth time Dr. Crusher saved the whole ship, by the way. I know. It's really, um, it's one of the things that I've definitely noticed in this <laughs> critical rewatch is that she's actually pretty competent. Yep. And when the actress cares, she is also competent. Yeah, like, at, by the way, at a wide variety of things. She's, like, the only awake person on the whole ship. Yeah. She's even, like, mad about cybernetics. It's crazy. Yeah. Um. Anyway, I give it a seven. Cause I, All right. I, I thought it, it does a lot of things that make it entertaining, even if they're not really necessarily trying to do anything except entertain. I don't really disagree. Like I said, I thought the cinematography worked out and a bunch of stuff. and. Mm-hmm. Like, I gave Relativity a bunch of points last week. I mean, not enough to do anything with, but <laughs> some not, points. Just never any way to were, save them from themselves. <laughs> you know, like, they were a little bit thoughtful about the time loops. Mm-hmm. And then in this one, it's like, 
they were thoughtful about the time loops in the script in the same way, but they also did stuff the filming with, was the pro- with the production of the television. Well, fast and it. loose. Yeah. Right? So. Uh, world building. Yeah. They need to build a better core ejection system. Oh, yeah. That I thing mean, should what, be hard to take offline. Yeah, what good is it if in a real emergency where you have to dump the explodey warp core, you just can't? You like, should at least get to put on the Spock gloves and do it manually. Yeah, go down there and fucking jettison that thing. There's got to be a jettison uh, fucking crank or something. Yeah. Jordy should have been down there. Well, Jordy was probably on the bridge, but Jordy should have called down there and had someone pull. You know what? This is why, because he thought he had to do it himself. <laughs> but he didn't even think to call down there and have someone pull the manual release. That's right. Uh, the Typhon Expanse, Unexplored, Nibpo, which is deja vu for Klingons. Maybe those things are just... This like... one did not turn out to be a trap, by the way. No. Where, uh, <laughs> That's right. where then Picard made fun of him. I don't think it's Klingon zombies, you idiot. <laughs> dumb fuck. I like to ask him sometimes. Shit. I like to go, hey, is there anything in your culture that this seems like? And then I go, it's fucking stupid. <laughs> this idiot thinks there's a monster that eats stars. He said it out loud in front of everybody. No wonder he's 14th in line for the fucking <laughs> throne of this ship. He trailed off as he said it. He knew that was a mistake. <laughs> I actually just fucking backed you. You've been reduced in rank fucking three steps, dumbass. <clears throat> um, Go get some of those weird Kaczynski squares. That's your rank now. <laughs> I'm just going to put a picture of Kaczynski on your shirt, dummy. Your uh, name's Kaczynski. You answered Kaczynski. <laughs> Everybody call him Kaczynski now. It's an order. Um, anyway, maybe deja vus are just all time loops. Maybe. I don't know. It's possible. Uh, this particular time loop was caused by disruptions in the Decaion field, and it manifests in building sensations of deja vu, and even, like, you can pass on memories and shit. Yeah. Don't do explosions next to temporal distortions. Don't do it causes time loops in fact sometimes it just makes you go back in time that's what happened at the Enterprise C right there's a lot of explosions around that temporal distortion I like, except it sent them forward in time oh you know what I mean uh, sent them through time yeah uh, we actually don't know what caused the Bozeman to get caught in it no, probably crashed that, into another ship that blew up <laughs> Soyuz class lot. had great armor <laughs> just cut right through cut right through a fucking old ass constitution just fucking right at the neck right at its thin little neck this by the way was about the fifth time they planned to use a model of the constitution for the just ship and then just didn't mm-hmm. that would have been cool that would have been cooler than like a Miranda with some bad looking stuff taped to it what if we put wings and guns on it? What if it? What I got a new Lego set. It's uh space space police, and uh, they <laughs> got the look like the galactic mediator. They got the short little laser blasters, and they got the long ones with the look like little needles or something. What if we put some of those on? It looks so good. Look what I did. Data can pick up Decaion based time messages, but only subconsciously, I guess. There are at least 28 sections on Deck 9. Yep. I gave it a 2. Deck 9 is one of the biggest steps of the decks of the ship, though. That kind yeah. of makes sense. But there could be more than 28. I don't know. That's just yeah, in Section could. 28 some stuff happens, but uh, I gave it a 2. 
Yeah, uh, Nibpo, Temporal, Causality, Loops, and Dekion Fields, the Retirement of the Soyuz class. Uh, this is kind of an early... We know this is, at least at this date, those maroon movie uniforms got introduced. Uh, 2278 is, like, halfway between Star Trek One and Star Trek Two. Okay, so they must have been brand new. Yeah. And, um... I guess the fact that people get deja vu about these time loops means something about the mind, but they're not really saying anything specific that I can see. Just remember that in this universe, thoughts are part of it. They're yeah, they're uh, powerful, certainly. Yeah, like they you fire. Too. <laughs> I guess they are. Uh, characterization. Yeah, War should stop playing poker. He clearly doesn't enjoy it. <laughs> um, he must be doing it for political reasons Troy beat his ass in ethics and then he ran his mouth and got a lot of disapproving looks from senior officers and outcast mm-hmm, mm-hmm, now mm-hmm. he's reached a point where if he's not doing particularly well he accuses Data of stacking the deck mm-hmm. well I mean Jordy admitted that he cheated a few episodes ago I think since <laughs> then he's just been a little bit suspicious of everybody but if you can't trust Data the treasonous killer robot who can you trust <laughs> um it is so perfectly on brand for Crusher to have deja vu and demand to know what Picard is going to do about it. <laughs> and at this point, she's been right so many times that he has to take it seriously. That's where he's trapped, man. That's really the that, thing. That is the trap. She's just like, yep. she should be wrong about this, but she just, she did take oh, bye, a big bye. L in ethics. But otherwise... How fucking aggravating. How fucking <laughs> aggravating that she was right again. I hate that's the worst. She had she fucking called him up and then went up to his office and said, I got deja vu. I talked about this in that episode where um where Bashir had to uh, cure the quickening or whatever it was called. And in the sure. first scene he's like, I don't know, we cured that plague on uh, fucking ball sack eight in like forty five <laughs> minutes, so we can do this and I was like, That's the worst too, when you've got a real asshole but like <laughs> He backs it like he can back it up. like they did do that thing so you're just like fuck i guess he's gonna cure these fucking people i guess we gotta beam down to this planet so we can cure their uncurable plague um that's like beverly now where she just flexes the shit on everyone all the time and they're like fucking god damn it and we gotta do this we gotta wake jordy up again we can't give him his excedrin <laughs> or whatever and send him back out there anyway sorry yeah she goes to picard's quarters yeah, yeah. fucking demands that shit um, but tell me if you also thought something was wrong with Picard this week. I thought maybe this time loop stuff is re-stimulating him about the time everyone thought he was a coward who abandoned ship. <laughs> and because of that, he's not sleeping. Because he's so feeble every time he orders <laughs> Roe to back off nice and slow. Yes, he's real Martok in this episode. Yeah, um... <laughs> So he's I afraid thought, of know, distortions, man. Especially yeah, this temporal ones. distortion. Everyone's gonna think he's a fucking coward, even though there's audio of him shouting "All hands abandon ship," <laughs> and it it's not audio of him talking to the coast guard guy and being like, <laughs> "I fell off into the lifeboat." <laughs> yes, there's a ladder. No, I'm not climbing back up there to tell no, you how many I people fell. are still aboard. I, you don't, you don't understand. I fell into the lifeboat. I fell in. Now I'm in it. So. That's how this works. Now I'm in the lifeboat, so that's uh, you. There's no takebacks. You're in the lifeboat once you're in the lifeboat. Uh, yeah, dude. I think I think if they'd said it was some other kind of distortion, if they're like it's a particle field or something, or, he would have had a lot more confidence. He'd have been about like, "Oh, thing. I got this." But they said temporal distortion. And he went, "Oh no, like, oh, not no. again! They're all gonna know I'm a coward." Oh, um. 
And my last characterization note is um, Riker assuming his weird crouch over data on the bridge <laughs> is the genuine article. He does it to everyone who sits there, and it's a lot more fun when it's not data. But in this one, it's yeah. part of the fucking plot, dude. Yes. It's gotta be crouched right over him like that so data can look over. And normally he looks over and goes, fucking God. But this time he looks over and he goes, that's right, three said it. Oh, uh, Yeah. Oh, three. We should have oh, done three. Shit. That's why I've been seeing so many of these threes. <laughs> they, they made it a plot device that he did his thing. Uh, anyway, Picard's a little weird, but I definitely <laughs> found an in-universe explanation for it, and everyone else is perfectly in character. Uh, <laughs> so I, I did give it a six. That's fair. Uh, Ro got a haircut. She ain't really in this one, though. It's kind of insulting that they made her be in this. Yeah, <laughs> they did make her show up and put on that wig or whatever. She loves to help solve these problems, and they didn't even invite her to the meeting. <clears throat> it's probably written by, there's probably five different writers writing this season, and uh, only two of them decided to use Ro Laren as an actual <laughs> character, and the other ones just had her sit on the bridge. Yep, and she had to show up. No wonder she didn't stick around for more Star Trek. She's like, half the time I just sit at the console. That's not fun. They were like, we want you to be the first officer on Deep Space Nine, and then she was like, am I going to get lines and stuff? And they were like, well, it depends on who really writes it, I guess. It. I mean, um, maybe for a while, but then Worf's going to show up eventually and then no more <laughs> scenes about you. Here's the thing. The show, not really about Bajor. Yeah. It's important to keep that in mind. It threatens to be about Bajor, but then in act two, they uh, move it <laughs> to the wormhole. <laughs> and sometimes there's a Bajoran plot and you're not in those. You're not going to be in one of the Bajoran <laughs> It'd be weird. It's weird that you're not in them, but you're not. You're not just not there. You had to, you had to go pray, I guess. Is what we'll write. Anyway, you wear a bigger bra next time. <laughs> Don't waste my time with these little titties. Um. Yeah. Anyway, would you, I would have loved to hear her thoughts on this. Probably some absolute fucking king shit about how she didn't have time for deja vu in the camps. So stop whining about <laughs> it. For sure. <clears throat> Ever since Jordy admitted to cheating, Worf's been suspicious of everybody. <laughs> Uh, Data just says, still no help for the Chinese over here. Ah, uh, he does. He does. Unbelievable. He's doing, he's doing patter. He's looked up some poker patter, and he's <laughs> fucking it up. Yep. Pair of ladies for the doctor. Still no help for the stinking Klingon. <laughs> he's basically a big old pig or something. Uh, he talks over Riker's good plan, and nobody blames him. Seriously, Riker goes... I'm just going to do the For thing I always do. He goes, hey, <laughs> I got a bad one. You you follow this up, right? You're going to look like a fucking champ. Hey, yo, what if we, uh, I don't know, open up the big doors on the back, and then maybe the ship will go whoosh. I've actually always kind of wanted to do that. <laughs> maybe the ship will go whoosh so good we'll get out of the way of the other ship. Now this is In my chance. mind, it's like the ship's farting, and maybe it'll make a <laughs> farting sound. <laughs> anyway, I let the air out of a balloon one time. It flew around the room all crazy. Dana, this is your chance. Come on, don't miss your chance. And then Data goes, oh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. We could use the tractor beam, I guess. And everyone goes, that's a brilliant idea, Data. You did good. Oh, that, hey, that's what it's for. Wrecker <laughs> <clears throat> is such a shit. Again, guess it's better to be lucky than good. Fuck you, man. Yeah, that's a It's real. just cards. <laughs> just, just move on to the next hand. You ain't want enough poker hands in your life? Uh, Jordy's been busting his ass on this Typhon Expanse project, apparently. He 
complains about. Maybe that's why he's got all the vertigo. Crusher's bedtime outfit. Yeah. Is as wild as Troy's, but for different reasons. Yes. She's dressed like a little girl or something. She's like, I got my big girl jammies on and I got a nice bow in my hair. I'm going to look pretty when I go to bed. She does put a bow in her hair to go to sleep. And And she has a book on her bed, but she doesn't read it. (laughs) That's right. And then she just, she keeps the ribbon in her hair when she goes to see Picard. Yeah. She's walking around the ship with it. It's crazy. I couldn't believe it. It's like if Troy kept her negligee on when she went to go talk to somebody. It's for private bedtime stuff. It's for your bedtime fantasies. Uh, to be fair, Dr. Crusher does put her entire uniform back on before she goes up to his office. She yeah, did. But she, she, you're right about the ribbon. But... She leaves the ribbon in. <laughs> her bedtime ribbon for when she dreams about uh, she's going to have like a male harem of uh, Riker and uh, uh, Jordy. The original and the original old Dan who didn't get all, who didn't become a sex pervert or whatever she thinks happened right. there. Uh, anyway, as is often the case, she's the reason shit actually starts to happen. Everyone else just goes, must be deja vu. I don't know whether it's real, but I did detect Picard not controlling his face <laughs> when Rusher said that she heard voices in her quarters. Um. Is this the same casual gray jacket from Darmok, or was that one textured? I can't remember. Uh, the one from Darmok has, has different shoulders. Okay, yeah, that's the one with like it looks the like the original one has shoulders. leather shoulders, and okay, then they changed them to the velvetier one. Well, whatever. He's got a, his different gray going on. I this did thing. notice that when he wears the casual jacket, he also wears sweatpants. <laughs> they have a he's casual uh, elastic uh, ankle. He's like on the way to Little Robe, but he's not there yet. He's pretty cash, yeah. but he's still got his he's still gotta wear the Starfleet uniform. Um Nurse Ogawa is sure she is in trouble because Jordy wasn't there when Crusher called. Oh yeah, that was a this, this is a trick. Can hear it in her voice. She's uh, like, no, no. Uh, um, uh, well, I, I mean, I haven't seen him. But I wasn't looking for him. I didn't know to look for him, but I, I'll look for him right now. Computer, where is Jordy LaForge? Where is he? Oh, he just walked in, Doctor. I didn't mess anything up this time. <laughs> not like the he time was you late, found, not me. Not like the time you found that scanner on the ground. <laughs> I didn't even know. I didn't know it was there. I probably did it. You're right. But I didn't know that was me. Or at the time I messed with your experiments, which I also don't remember. That time that Dr. Rasmussen stole something from sickbay and you had me arrested. (laughs) You gave me a brain scan. Right next to O'Brien. I don't even know why you got him that time. Probably just passed him in the corridor. You said said when you went there and stood in... (laughs) The transporter room didn't say anything. He didn't say anything to you either, so we had to have a brain scan because didn't he remember? But that was in a different universe. <laughs> anyway, I give it a five. <clears throat> uh, quick ones. Yeah, man. Uh, that nacelle was like boiling or something. It was bubbling and spitting and shit. Yeah. What did they do to that thing? It had too much electricity in it is my theory. Oh, it could be. <laughs> Um, I assume they stopped when they found that anomaly, right? Like they stopped moving and that shit was 20,000 kilometers away. Yeah. So the Bozeman doesn't just fly at them from like three ship lengths away. Cause that's how it's always seemed. 
that they were just well, like again, right on top. The time of that takes is highly variable. <laughs> just like even but in the shot, maybe it was going on full impulse. Who knows? <laughs> at the shot when they show it, it just seems like it just goes right out of that thing and right into the Enterprise. But twenty thousand kilometers, so many kilometers. Yeah, I mean, feels like they. I guess neither side could move. So I guess they can't get out of the way. But I mean, it just seems like it happens too fast. That's all I'm saying. They definitely at least turned to face it because it's supposed to be off their starboard bow. Yeah, but that's not where they approach from. You're right. Um. Again, maybe the tractor beam was the right call, but just let Data handle it instead of Worf. Data probably thought when he said that that it was understood that it would be him to do it. And then Picard goes, Mr. Worf, tractor beam. And Data goes, oh. Are you we're probably sure? gonna die. I think we're gonna uh, die. I've already countermanded one thing. I'm gonna. <laughs> I shouldn't keep talking over people like I usually do when I say Captain. Drop Everyone the shield when I do this. <laughs> no one likes it. I've gotten a lot of feedback about it. Actually, <laughs> uh, again, a brief redo of the conversation Picard and Riker had in the one where Picard ice is his time clone. This time in the conference room when uh, they're all uh, talking about time loops. Um, that was all I had. What do you think Worf was muttering during the poker hand? I turned it way up in my headphones and I couldn't make anything out. <laughs> I don't know. Did you have any suggestions? So, subtitle just says muttering, so I have no idea. I just like to think about it. He's mad about... Uh... I don't know. He's like... I don't uh, remember why he was muttering. I fucking, um, I, I fucking went on a commando raid with this guy last week. <laughs> and... Uh... <laughs> where's my uh, where's my promotion I thought maybe that was going to get me something like maybe like on the sly he'd get me something but no I'm just here still doing these fucking lick ass fucking poker games I fucking hate this game it's not a warriors game is what I'm saying hey uh hey Rick Rick asked me to do a uh a clean up on this script uh we need the name of a medicine that cures vertigo in the future do you have any uh vertizine <laughs> it's a little on the nose, but I guess it is lunchtime. Yeah, I gotta. We gotta knock this thing out. We got twenty fucking six of these things to write. Uh, Matthew, do you think Crusher got her sleep outfit at some planetary bazaar, or did she straight up ask the replicator <laughs> for pajamas, thirty percent Chinese? <laughs> yeah. Then she had to keep saying to the computer, "More Chinese, more no, Chinese." Coral. I want them in coral. <laughs> Like my lips. All right, more sultry. Thank you. The little panel in Crusher's bedside table that has a light switch and 12 other buttons mm -hmm. feels like hotel room technology that didn't anticipate smartphones and streaming and USB charging and shit. <laughs> but like in this case, the people who designed it forgot you could just ask the computer to do shit for you, like turn on the lights. Yeah. Yes. I don't even know why anyone would bother doing the lights on a panel. <laughs> yeah. Why? I, I don't know. Maybe you don't want to wake your partner up by saying, computer, lights. <laughs> oh, yeah, I guess. I guess if you don't live alone, but all these fuckers are losers that live alone. But, like, I bet the computer can hear when you whisper, too. That's true. It seems to know <sighs> anytime you're talking about anything to anyone. And oh, who yeah, you're talking it's... to and what applies and what doesn't. It's much better at context than uh, data. <laughs> which which one you got, Alexa or Siri? Which one should I say too loud? Oh yeah, the, the, she ain't been hooked up in a long time. Okay, <laughs> I didn't like that she was spying. Uh, we've been reading 1984 in our book oh, club. Yeah. Yes, and uh, 
when we were talking about some of the surveillance technology in 1984 and Katie was telling Ryan about how the robot revolution was going to start at his house because there's a fucking smart speaker in every room. <laughs> uh, one of us said something and then, uh, well, I mean, I guess this will be fun for everybody. If you say, hey, Siri, what's my current location? Siri will read your address out. Whoa. Uh, and <laughs> when we were talking about that, sure enough, Siri read Ryan's address out loud right on the book club meeting. And uh, <laughs> he got a look on his face like, oh, no, what have I done? <laughs> yes, this is actually a very bad idea now that I think about it. Yes. Yeah. People have a lot of good points about AI. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, three seconds after the impact. Crusher is receiving casualty reports from all over mm -hmm, the ship. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. These We've people do not waste any time calling it in. <laughs> We've talked about this before. Bridge, I, I sprained my ankle. I, um, uh, in one of our early episodes, episode three or four, I make this point about a Voyager episode where just the ship is literally still doing shaking from the thing that hit them. And Chakotay is like, uh, 48 injured. And you're like, what the fuck? How did you fucking know that? Yeah. We don't even know what shook you yet. Anyway. Uh, you're going to call my bluff, aren't you? I guess. I mean, I have excellent <laughs> cards. Also, now I know it's a bluff. You just kind of... Yeah. Well, feels like you I gave am it now. away. Is this a trick? Are you trying to... Tr is this like a weird mind trick where you're going to pretend just, like you're confused? It's the most feeble thing you can say, Black Poker. It's literally the worst. This is, if you, if you are, if this is a fucking trick and you're pretending to be confused and admitting to bluffing and then you weren't bluffing, I'm not playing with you anymore. Because you shouldn't be able to fake a medical emergency to win a, a fucking poker game. Exactly. Though I know you love winning at poker. I get it. I thought you were having a stroke, bud. <laughs> um... Riker is exactly dumb enough to think Worf is weirded out that he's playing poker two Tuesday nights in a row. <laughs> when he's like, oh, we've done this before. And then Riker says, yeah, last Tuesday. No, you dipshit. <laughs> <sighs> now, Data suggests that he may have been responsible for all 2,000 plus occurrences of the number three ship wide. Yeah. And... No one is at all spooked by the idea that he is constantly manipulating the ship's systems without even knowing why. Without thinking about it at all. No one's like, well, that's a horrifying thought, actually. Oh, yeah, no, well, once every three minutes I tap into all of the ship systems. Just oh, to, yeah, like, yeah. when I make them know, all say three. Don't worry about it, though. I'm a good guy. So one time fine. I made the panel have a big P on it, and everybody thought it was Picard. <laughs> everybody was like, P quiet. for Picard. I had to keep that one quiet. I thought, honestly, I thought he was lost forever, and I didn't think anyone was ever going to know what was going on. But then, uh, yeah, no, you beamed him up. He was right there, and then I had to be like, oh, I guess Picard must have got in the panel. <laughs> he got in there with his little, with his ghost hands, and he wrote P <laughs> on the panel. Uh, directed by Jonathan Frakes. Oh, good for him. That's why he's like, and then I go, <coughs> and I stand behind you like this, and that's the episode right there, in a nutshell. You only know one uh, thing about this episode, it's that I stand behind Data. As for best actor, uh, I think I've said many times on this show that LeVar Burton often seems like the only real person. <laughs> yeah, like he he's the only like a person realistic actor. Yeah. And I, in this one, uh, when Picard says, uh, so if we can avoid the explosion, we can break the loop, Jordy just says, that's our assumption. Uh, but he says it just like a person would, so I just... <laughs> 
it is yeah it's it's crazy how rare it is to actually feel that way yeah to watch the tv any show really and be like oh it's not like a person oh that's how a person talks sounds like a human being uh and then i gave worse actor to Riker saying you're gonna call my bluff aren't you (laughs) I mean to point it out twice, but it was it was a weird line, and then he also <laughs> seemed so sad and weak when he delivered it. And it is sad that he's the director in this one too. He was okay with that with that performance. That is true. He he thought he got a pretty good performance out of him. Later, he looked in the mirror and he said, "You did you did good today. You did really good at reading your lines today." Ah, <laughs> uh, we did it. Yeah. I guess we did. I was hoping it could go at least another hour, but I guess we'll have to take bathroom breaks after all. We're doing shorter ones these days. Yeah. Uh, last week was our shortest podcast ever. Well, it could have been shorter. <laughs> I mean, it could have. We spent two minutes talking about whether it was too short or not, so. Kind of like how if Kwong Su had tried harder, he could have been taller. <laughs> we could have made that episode shorter. <clears throat> um, On the whole... Week uh, 117, not that bad. We had two episodes in the green, which is the last time that happened was week uh, 106. So, Dude, you're not yeah. kidding. I, earlier I looked it up, and last week was a, technically an above average week. And the last time we had one of those was 15 episodes before. <laughs> yeah. 15 weeks before. But now we've had two in a row. We have had two in a row above Who's the a, average. Looking up, you know. Uh, <laughs> it's even the case for for fucking Voyager. I mean, they weren't above the average, but no. Uh, the last but they were place actually above is, the Voyager average. That's is exactly is Warhead with a twenty eight, which would have been second place last week. Like it Damn. beat both Deep Space Nine and Voyager <laughs> from last week. In week one fourteen, it would have won the week by thirteen points. <laughs> yeah. Well. <laughs> yes. <laughs> We've had a lot of bad weeks lately, is what I'm saying. Yeah, so 28 from Voyager, uh, then a 31 for Deep Space Nine, Soldiers of Empire. The Empire. Yeah. Uh, uh, I, uh, well, the alternate th- episode name was Soldiers of Army, so... <laughs> you were close. Do they cross empty fields in a traveler's trance on the way to the high frontier? <laughs> sure. Pelicans glide. Um, and the winner this week, 49th win... Uh, next generation cause and effect just 35 but 35 was enough to get it done this week they're pulling away they're 10 ahead so they are now 10 ahead of deep space 9 with pretty uh, rough for ds9 i mean still whatever 73 minus 17 that number of episodes left to go for (laughs) deep space 9 they could they got plenty to make it up 56 good work so they'd have to go like 33 and 23 to tie yeah Assuming Voyager doesn't get in there and bust anything up. And then, of course, Next Generation has episodes on its own, which I guess they're going to oh, get yeah. wins for? Yeah, that they got to do cheap. three better, don't they? So do we have to award sense, wins? TNG is three, is 13 ahead. <clears throat> that seems... It's, <laughs> only, it's only cheap for total wins. Win percentage won't factor into that at all. Oh, no, it will. Yeah, it will, because they'll have won those. They get well, three free ones, huh? Maybe you can't win if there's no opponent. Maybe Or maybe... They only get a win if they get an above average score. Something like interesting. That. We'll have to think about it. Yeah, I don't know. Just feels we'll have wrong to think about that it also they would because just be then no we, one. Do we go back and score the original series wins higher because they had four series competing against them? Or? I mean, honestly, if, like, do we have to weight them? 
I mean, it feels like a better achievement, except that their scores are still bad. Hey, man, I was just looking. If they got, like, literally one more point throughout the entire run of their show, they would have got 30 as an average. <laughs> TNG? No, TOS. <laughs> oh, TOS? They're 29.99. Look at these fuckers. Uh, literally, so they've got would, one point It would have been 23.70. Yeah, dude. Divided by 79, I think you're right. They would have gotten over 30. <laughs> they couldn't do it. They lost out. Well, any one of the times you talked me down or I talked you down or we talked ourselves down or whatever. Just any one of those. Well, I mean, they, they also could have just not aired not Turnabout Intruder, right? Yeah, that definitely put them on. The <laughs> yeah, then their average would have been over 30. That episode uh, scored 11. It wasn't a good one. They, it was a mistake to air that episode for many reasons. <laughs> Anyway, uh, so that's week 117 in the bank. Um, next time we get together, we've got, I think, a couple. We've got some contrasting episodes. So hmm. for TNG, we've got the first duty. If you right. don't think Picard's going to give some speeches, yeah, we'll I see mean, the if I award any points to Josh Albert's sad dad. <laughs> I think about that guy sometimes. Uh, hey, thanks for returning Josh's sweater. I, uh... nice. You guys were so great to him. He you never betrayed very, him at all. And wasn't good at anything, and he never would have been good at anything. So he really let just, you guys down. It's honestly cool that you even hung out with him a little bit. Anyway, thanks for returning his stuff to me. <laughs> uh, for Deep Space Nine, we're watching The Children of Time. That is... Oh, I'm going to just... The, uh, my memory of the episode fills me with rage, so hopefully... <laughs> Hopefully it's better than I remember. Yeah, fucking strap in for three hours because it's possible <laughs> that that one next week is going to run long. Yeah, then we got... And Equinox. we're starting a two-parter. Yeah. yeah. Part one I get to describe. Equinox I don't even get to describe one. the 13-second uh, resolution to the whole plot. That's the end of uh, Voyager Season 5, right? I think it's got to be. We're getting, we're deep into it. and Voyager's they, uh, always first out. They've been trying to make up lost time for their weird short first season, and they never get yeah. there. So, but that's we're just deep we're into it in general. I mean, week one eighteen—that's we're just we're moving along, you know. Yeah. Next time we get together to talk, it'll be a mailbag episode, but um, that's probably going to be in the new year. Yeah, we got time, everybody. Stuff that stuff that mailbox full of tasty tidbits, because you're going to have a lot of time to do that. Spend time on Christmas. Carve out time on Christmas Day. Boxing you know what? Spend the whole spend the whole rest of December watching 530 episodes of Star Trek, so you're caught up. And then send us your thoughts. Yeah, know. I'll read yeah. them all. We'll have an eight hour mailbag. I don't know what you think about every episode of Star Trek. Don't worry, we considered everything. This is an exhaustive project. Send us mail. That's at Brother Date on the Twitter machine. Twitter didn't break, so. Just I have to feel like I I feel like I have to keep updating that because everyone was sure it was gonna break and it didn't break. Um and then you can send us mail. That's brothers of brotherdate.com. By the way, I was rooting for it to break. I said so many times on this show. So it's not an I told you so, like, haha, take that. It's more like uh nothing ever goes right. Um Hey, I uh just as a mark of where we are in time, the big the story about Twitter today is that uh Elon Musk hasn't been paying rent. Sure. On the Twitter buildings. And, Why not? And they're also considering not paying all those severances for all those people they fired. So cool. it seems like they they must be pretty close to bankrupt. Okay, but uh, in 
a Reddit thread about that today, someone else picked up on Lone Scum. What? On the anagram Lone Scum. Have they been listening to the pod? That's what's important. I did not seem like they didn't have, they certainly, if they did, they didn't create a new Reddit account with a name that <laughs> Based on something that, that we they said. were like Riker got havened or <laughs> Spock's Rock Talk or anything. Dang. Ah, shit. Okay. Well, I guess someone yeah, else was It wasn't like Redbird and Turtle or anything <laughs> that would suggest that they were listeners. That's too bad. Yeah, well, I guess someone else was bound to come across it because it's so yeah, tasty. Yeah. You don't even have to mix the letters. Like, you use the letters from each individual name. So it's yeah, not even that's that right. Tricky, you can anagram but... them separately. <clears throat> yeah. Well, I'm glad that it's going around, though. That's nice for yeah, me. Because yeah, yeah. you know I can claim that I was the first. <laughs> well, there's recorded evidence of it. I was the earliest recorded evidence of Lone Scum was he, was here. Everybody, you heard it first. Um, go to the go to the website. That's brotherdate dot com. Um, Landrew is just like he spread it's his so wings. Many numbers. He it's the most numbers. When he came to us, he was just a little. What's the what's the earliest form of um, of Charmander? Was he first? Uh, what's the what's Char- the first? Char, 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 Charizard. Char, no, Charmander, Char- then Charizard, then... No. Is Charmander the first one? Char- Man, you know, I can't Charmander, with then this. Charmeleon, then Charizard. All right, so anyway, he was just a Charmander, and now he's a fucking Charizard for sure. Should ask me about Squirtle. I'm sorry, I just assume you know about all the Pokemons. I, uh, how many of these games you played? You should know all the Pokemons by now, by heart, and all I've their evolutions. Them, but there's, there's thousands. <clears throat> How many are in this new game? I'm just going to take a second here to talk this out. How many Pokemons are there? I haven't looked it up, but I have I have ones in my Pokedex that are at least in the high 300s, so I bet there's about five or 600. So why aren't there like 2,000? The way I would do it is every single new game come out, I just keep adding more and more and more. Eventually you just be like, my Pokedex, I got a complete 500. It was that way for a 15, long 000. time, where you could either catch all of them in every generation, or you they were at least in the Pokedex for every generation, so you could transfer them in from other games. But yeah. starting with Sword and Shield, they were not all present. I don't care, man. Just fucking palette swap some guys. They don't have to be so great that it takes a lot of work to put them in there. Right? Give me a <laughs> just different like color Monk guy. And uh... yeah, the other guy. He looks just like Grease Monk. Who cares? Doesn't make any difference to me. I'm sure I would be able to think of it. Well, there are a few different ones. There's Gobbledygook. Gobbledygook. He's one of them. And. Uh... Pretty sure there's like two or three other ones. <laughs> they did a lot of palette swaps in that game. Um, but anyway, that's how they were able to have so many enemies. So just uh, do that with Pokemon. Have like a <clears throat> a green Charmander who's a plant Charmander. I don't care. Anyway, Podcatchers, gotta catch them all. There you go. That was the easy transition. All right, that's it, everybody. As you believe, so shall you do. So shall you do. As you believe, As you believe so, shall so shall you, you do. do. One sacrificed himself to stop all the other Borg that I am up. the Nazi from two weeks ago. I must sacrifice <laughs> myself to save you, mother. So much of my chest is on display. Look at my Aryan features. Please subscribe.